oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hello, is Digital Noise there? This Hello, is Dr. Herman. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh. Uh, Calling Digital Noise. Hello. Hi, is, is this the uh, uh, famous uh, Chris Cross uh, Cox? I've heard so. <laughs> I, I love your show, by the way. Deep it's... sigh. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. What is it, caller? Your take on Birdemic 3 last year at Fantastic Fest, saying that you loved it more than anything else out of that whole festival, it it gives me reason to live. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. So I have two things to say in response to that, sir. Please do. First is, I think you think mixed up our voices. That was right. And second... Like, if you're going to kill yourself, just, like, do it in a way that someone doesn't have to clean up. You know what I mean? That's just rude. I think I'll, I'll, like, I'll no choke. shotguns. I'll choke on the, the Birdemic 3 uh, box set with uh, the rest of the Birdemics. Yeah, do it outside or something, right? <laughs> I'll let the birds <laughs> kill me. <laughs> Nothing has to. They'll crash and bomb on me. Yeah, exactly. And screech at the same time. You don't want your, you know, also you don't want your girlfriend or your mom. Well, I'm listening to you, probably your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I assume. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want them finding your body. No. I'm just saying. So you like, have a good yeah, point. By all means, um, like feel free to exit this life. But still, <laughs> sorry, I won't. I won't mistake you for right again. <laughs> well, I assume not, since you'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm just being silly. I don't think anyone should kill themselves because they like Birdemic Three. Thank you. I, company I, excluded. Oh, oh wait, what? Oh, <laughs> what? okay. No. <laughs> uh, I see how this is now. This is the. The last uh, digital noise that I'm doing, I guess. Uh, 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 if you actually were willing to kill yourself because someone disagreed with you over Birdemic 3, I mean... I think that would need, be admirable. You need to go seek professional help. Well... <sighs> that's a, that's a like, literally the wrong hill to die on. I don't know. I do <laughs> like that screeching, unbalanced audio and odd editing hill. Okay, so the reason we're bringing up Birdemic 3 is because we, right and I, are in deep prep for the upcoming Fantastic Fest... Starting next week, Woo! Uh, we are, you're just never really ready. You can be as ready as you want. And you're still not going to be really ready. I got it now. I mean, like doing it last year. I, I, you know, I, uh, I think more of like the, the practical side of it of like how to sign up for movies and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like, really, I was told, I, I think you just run out of steam towards the end where just like, man, these are really bad. Oh, it's because I'm sleeping now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I, you know, I, I forgot though that we're adults. Yes. And if we find something boring or not good, we can leave. It's true. It I, is 
fantastic, I mean, I'm, as the name puts it. I'm pretty stubborn. I will sit through almost anything to the end. The only exception be if I like Bird Demic Three. Will be like, it, well, I, what a choice did I have, man? I would have left. I, I would have. I would have left. You're with leaving. A, don't you leave? I know you would have. I would have called you out. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the only exception being like, I I will leave if. I literally cannot keep my eyes open and I don't want to fall asleep in a theater because I am a snorer and I don't want to be that guy. I've, I've heard you. Yeah. It's, no. it, it's South by. Yeah. <laughs> well, also at Fantastic Fest, we won't name the movies, but yeah. there are a couple movies that we attended and we did not see. Yeah no, yeah. no, I mean, there was only one I actually fell asleep in, but it was only for like 20 seconds. And that's when I was like, OK, I got to go because oh. I don't want to be this guy. Chris, there, there's a, there's another movie I, I know for sure. What? There's a couple of movies that we totally fell asleep. I through. don't think I fell asleep through anything else. Oof. I mean, I know you did. I looked over at you, and you're like, oh, this drool. Oh my god! I such like great naps in, <laughs> uh, with movies that I, I only assume are fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, I will leave a movie even if I like it. If I know I just can't keep awake though, because I'm like, I'll see it again eventually. I want to. I don't want this to be an experience that make that disrupts anyone else's experience right right um because of my because you're a good guy yeah. i am a good guy you're a very very good guy i mean i do you're not telling people they kill themselves after they watch i do them. not understand why i don't have superpowers it feels like a fault of the universe <laughs> <laughs> how do you equate that for being a good guy it's like oh man i could do so much more dude i'm basically christopher reeve without powers yeah <laughs> what um i'm trying to think of a Falling us off by that, a horse I mean, joke. Secretly uh, having sex with Michael Caine and also <laughs> probably shouldn't get on a horse anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited this year to go see it. Go to Fantastic Fest. Yeah, and, there is no Redemic 4, thank God. Uh, well, there are some secret screenings, so God willing. Uh, I, I will walk out of that. And i that's the exception to my rule, and people do it, and that's totally understandable, because you don't know what you're getting into in a secret sure. screening. Yeah. And sometimes people are like, I absolutely do not want to see this movie, and will leave, and nobody judges them for that. And I've done that. I will boo. I will hiss. And I will say, everyone, boo and hiss, Chris Cross sucks. <laughs> I don't want this to be a thing, but you oh, clearly I'm, do. I'm going to make it a thing, baby. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but we also just got done recording The Gathering for the first time in like a year. In a year? I, yeah. This is my first gathering. I know. Yeah. You were the last time we did one, which was the first time in like a year, uh, you weren't able to make it. You were out of town or something. I was at a wedding. Yeah. Uh, not no, mine. Not a good excuse. <laughs> I know. And uh, I, I know. mean, it was a good wedding, but I, I heard it was not as good as the gathering. Though. The gathering was pretty good. And this yeah. one was great. And also arguably definitely the most amount of segments we've ever recorded for one. Like we do. There's five segments for this yeah. one. And strap right in. And I, right. And I take turns doing them. And it is. It's uh, <laughs> Gets it's a, a lot wild. of fun. There's a lot of people voices you haven't heard in a long time that returned the mic for it. And it's, some new voices, uh, some new voices as well. Yeah. Uh, some new people we sort of brought into our organization. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, fans of Trash on the Can. We got Liz Rishi, you got Red O'Hara, some douchebag named Eric Samaniego, and um, well, that's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> but the good news is we're going to start doing those regularly again, thanks to Wright's Largesse. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's, that's, that's the only caveat. It's like, well, now we could do them now. Yeah, he's like, why don't we do that? I want to do a guy. I want to be a gathering. He's like, great. We do it at your house. And there's a moment of silence. He goes, yeah, no, sure. That sounds great. And I go, are you sure? <laughs> now, here's the thing. I we we did it. It was it was a really fun time. Everyone had a great time. Some more than others. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Not to name names, but Nathan. But Nathan. Uh. <laughs> I've never seen a young man get drunk that quickly. Uh. Since me. Uh. Look, and this is a spoiler for the gathering. I'm just going to say this. Like Tessa brought him a present, 
that uh, I guess it was a roommate or a friend or something who was going to get rid of something one of like those that, yeah. TV VCR combos. Yeah. I can't believe anybody that's any still exist. Right. Well, any that still work at yeah. least. Yeah. And uh, he was going to get rid of it because there was a tape that was stuck in it and that was the only <laughs> thing it would play. And as it turns out, that tape in question was Top Gun. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, I just found the ultimate Nathan Flynn gift. <laughs> it, it, it was a pretty great gift. And uh, he, uh, Tessa hooked it up in the back patio and uh, it was just playing all throughout the night. <laughs> it was like, wow, this is this is like an old school Austin sort of feeling party. It's right. like when you have weird stuff going on, like there's like tentacle hentai playing on TVs. There's <laughs> Top Gun playing in the patio. It was like, wow, this is great. We had tentacle hentai playing on my big screen TV. <laughs> when uh, I first moved here, I was living in a warehouse out on uh, right, E7. Yeah. And we threw the South by So What party, which at that point was already kind of a running thing. Like somebody every year would go, oh, nobody else is doing it. Okay, I'll do it. The South by So What party, which the South by Southwest people were not happy about. But nonetheless, like somebody always did it. It actually took me years to become friends with the guy who worked for South by because he was so mad at me for being one of the hosts of that party. Boo hoo. (laughs) Uh, They have a gigantic thing that they put on and bring tons of money. And like this South by Southwest who party, whatever. It's like... It's just a fuck you to that. Well, I opened up my apartment as the uh, sort of here's where you want to go if you want to smoke pot or do psychedelics. And I just like got, I already had a lot of black lights and strobes and shit like that because I was into Ooh, that shit back then. Yeah. And then I got a bunch of TVs from like pawn shops that like barely worked. Yeah. And VCRs. And I had them all like in weird positions, like sideways, upside down, hanging from the ceiling that were playing crazy fucked up shit. You know, yeah. You know, it was like like one, this one's got like a ghost in the shell on it. Yeah. And this one's got Apocalypse Now on it. And this I, I love that stuff. It's yeah. just, it feels, again, it, it feels very old Austin hipstery like vibes when you're walking to a party and you, you're just like, okay, I'm going to have a good time. Most of it's going to be chill, but then accidentally you see something fucked up and you're like, is that human, human centipede too? And like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is but going on? That marks the, only, and people are watching it. It's the only time I've ever had a real, well, not real, but a long conversation with Gibby Haynes from the Butthole Surfers. Oh yeah. Because I've talked to all the rest of them many times, but I'd never managed to nail him down for more than two seconds. And he wandered in there and he's like, oh, can I have a bong head? It's like, yeah, man, help yourself. And we just started talking in gibberish to each other, just like 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 he does on the records. It's just like, like you do on digital a, noise multi time. <laughs> there's a song called Johnny Smoke where he tells this big mythological story about this hero, but it's just nonsense. It's just like all like, and then a thousand trails of light came out of his butthole and held down to the ceiling and was dragged by a tortoise into the desert where it became one with the all and the mashed potatoes. So we're like talking to each other like that for like a half an hour. Wow. And all these people were in the room just watching us and kind of listening. And he got up and left and one of them went, that was seriously intense. (laughs) (laughs) I know Wicked City was playing in the background, but just watching you two talk gibberish to each other, I crap my pants. I crap my pants. I don't know what this is. This is a bad trip, man. Anyway, this has a lot of build up to the actual fact that this is digital noise and we are here to review. <laughs> Let's talk about movies. other things that we've done. We recently. have a purpose here other than just bullshitting about what, uh, what's happened, what's going to happen. Aren't our lives so just fun they are kind of fun they are fun yeah yeah i i would say let's talk about that for another 10 oh, minutes boy. <laughs> our lives are so fun we just have a good time we do not like robert pattinson but what the movie good time with robert pattinson 
Oh, no. yeah. I remember it's that. Like, not like that. Not like that, though. Well, sometimes. but I mean, sure. <laughs> I was in pre-Juliani, New York. <laughs> I remember what that was like. Mm. You got to get drugs. You got to go to Washington Square and talk to some six foot five uh, Jamaican guy who, who doesn't speak much English and well, doesn't seem happy to see you. There's definitely a couple movies in this list that actually do pre-Juliani. And it's like, yeah, whoa. That's true. We got some older films this Segway. time that are getting released uh, on some of them on Blu-ray for the first time. Um, and a lot of stuff to go through here of which I think I was overall fonder of than right, but I also kind of go outside of one of these, and even then, you like this movie more than me. Um, everyone likes this movie more than me, to be fair, although I still like it. But all the rest, I'm like, I think it was cool, but I wish it was better. Where well, It's kind of that type of list I, of stuff. I get it, and like, because the first movie definitely takes place in New York, and um, <laughs> I tried to get oh, you to his potato. <laughs> <laughs> to Live and Die in L.A., oh, uh, which is the film that is generally thought of as the sort of high watermark for what's called L.A. Noir. Right. Um, there are many L.A. Noir films, but this is the one that's sort of like at the center of it all that everyone refers back to. Of course, re- directed and co-written by William Friedkin, who sadly just passed R.I.P. away shortly. Uh, uh, what, a month ago, maybe? About a, Yeah, a month and something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who also was, of course, the director of The Exorcist and many other really, really Some other movies. films. Um I uh, love Friedkin as a director. Never been terribly crazy about Friedkin's personality. <laughs> well, he he seems like uh, the 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 no nonsense kind of guy that just says like fuck him. Uh, like he did, recently, the, all these after he died, uh, all these uh, interviews come up about um, him. It's like Al Pacino doesn't know his asshole from his elbow. He could go fuck himself. I don't give a fuck what Al Pacino says about his performance. Go fuck himself. And it was like, God damn. Yeah, he didn't have any fucks to give. I was just listening to an older interview with him on, uh, I forget the name of it, but Joe Dante has a co-host a, oh, a, a podcast. Oh, God. I know what you're talking yeah. about. It's not Trailers from Hell. It's, it's on a horror uh, site, but it's not always talking about horror. Yeah, I forget what it's called. But he's on there and he's just, just doesn't give a fuck man he's just talking shit about everybody and like and I, I, kind of being a real dick and i'm like i get it but at the same time i like to think that you like to think that people who are like these directors as they get older they more become more mellow and if that's it's true like, calm down if that's true about freaking i well all i can say is i've heard some stories about him in the 70s that say like oh wow he did mellow out. <laughs> exactly yeah i i read a lot about him after he died and i was actually looking forward to seeing this because it's the first time i ever saw this movie or seen um, this movie it's my second time but it's been years yeah i i uh i did not know that there was a a few things from the film that i was kind of like oh this is what that thing was referencing and blah oh, blah blah sure yeah but uh i i was not uh prepared i mean because here's the other thing too i liked it i did not love it mm-hmm. i uh, and i started to also realize i've seen a good amount of friedkin stuff um i kind of started to think about him it's like i think he's only really done like three four great movies uh, I mean, if you really think like The Exorcist, uh, French Connection, uh, and I'm actually kind of one of those people like I hold back a bit on the French Connection. I'm like, I like it a lot, but I don't think it's quite the masterpiece people like to sell it as. Well, I, I, I weirdly like the second one a little bit better. Shut up, I know. But that's well, Frankenheimer. No, uh, that's uh, Frankenheimer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But uh, Sorcerer is to me. His, oh, Sorcerer. That's right. Yeah. That's like his best film, other than The Exorcist. I mean, I'm a horror guy, so The Exorcist is gonna be number one. But also, like later in life, people ignore the fact that he did Bug, which and was Killer amazing, Joe. and Killer Joe, which yeah. was amazing. Also, 
now I want fried chicken. Uh- <laughs> In my mouth. Uh, but, like, I also think that he was rather lucky. Like, I don't know if he is, like, just the greatest, one of the greatest directors. I think that a lot of the things that he had was, like, right cast, good scripts, and uh, probably just a lot of good people around him. I think a lot of the thing, though, too, is we look at these casts. Like, you look at the cast in here, and a lot of the people in here are people like, they were not big when they did this. No. They became big later. Well, like, like Will, fucking Will, Willem, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. John William Peterson Tur- was like his first fucking John movie. John Turturro. William Peterson, who, of course, became better known eventually for CSI. Yeah. Uh, launching that entire endless fucking franchise. Uh, but... I always think of him from uh, Manhunter, which is the first adaptation right. of Silence of not Silence of the Lambs, but of that Thomas Red Harris, Dragon uh, Hannibal. Uh, well, it's it's Red Dragon, right? Right. I'm just thinking of the Hannibal. Universe. I know. Yes. With I still can't believe Logan Roy is Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> well, Michael Mann, I saw an interview with him recently talking about is like I think he is honestly better than Anthony Hopkins in the. I was like. Well, of course, because as he's in your movie, like, like Silent Lambs is the best adaptation of Thomas Harris's work as a whole and taken in its entirety. But I will say that uh, the television show Hannibal uh, sure. is the best Hannibal. And I've heard I've never seen it. And so, some of the clips I've seen from the show, I am shocked that that was ever on network television. Dude, it is. You would watch all the. You'd see it and they'd show the murders and they were the goriest things you've ever seen. And it's crazy. Like, how was this? Anyway, we're getting off topic. Anyway, so, right, and this so the movie, next movie, William, uh, Peterson, oh. uh, <laughs> William Peterson and John Pankow play two secret service agents who foiled over assassination or attempt on President Reagan. Uh, they're assigned as, yeah, which is weird that you go from that, like you think you'd be heroes and get promoted, but no, now they're assigned as counterfeiting investigators in an LA field office. I'm I like, don't the fuck? know how they really just skipped over that because yeah. they, they uh, prevent the assassination and then now they're doing this shit. It was like, wait, what? This is definitely a demotion. Like counterfeiting is not a step up. I don't. Also, why are Secret Service agents on counter? Yeah, I, I, not to you know diss Secret Service people, but yeah. fuck them. No, uh, <laughs> well, it depends on the president. Well, the sure. <laughs> Guys, uh, you know, a few years ago, you did a really bad job. Not uh, when stuff happened to somebody. Uh, no. Um, anyway, so but, but I, I don't understand why. Yeah, they were. Mo- I, I thought they're more or less like bodyguards, and when you're in yeah. that kind of role, it's not like you, you know, become a beat cop in you know yeah, sh- Chicago. I, I don't know how. Like, that I don't know how it works. I mean, this was actually written by, uh, well, based on a novel by a former United States Secret Service agent who co-wrote the screenplay with Friedkin. So I don't know. Gerald uh, Uh, Pettivich. Yeah, Pettivich. Pettivich. I I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so, uh, of course, William Peterson is the whole... I'm a bad boy and I like to do things my way. They can't hold like me jump down off with the buildings. Rules. We got to catch the bad guys. Uh, Any <laughs> but, means necessary. But he's also a little bit corrupt. Uh, he's totally cr- like I there's a, okay there is a running theme uh, I want to state this now that most of the films that have to do with like crime and there's a lot of them this week. Yeah. Uh everyone is dirty and seeking some type of revenge yeah. and most of the characters in all these movies are terrible yeah welcome like, to the 70s and 80s it's, it's just uh, yeah. kind of crazy you're just like i i don't why so, is this anyway, happening they want to the, the big bad guy they want to get you is a actually very uh much more i would want to hang out with than either one of these guys willem defoe who is like a total like arch criminal counterfeiter but he seems like 
if he's not worried about you, he's a solid guy to party with. <laughs> yeah, he seems. That's the thing. It's just like, I guess he's kind of cool. But then when he is ruthless, you're yeah. just like, fuck. Yeah, don't fuck with him. And it's, you know, young. And uh, I never, you know, if you see if you've seen William Dafoe movies in the last couple, like 10 years, you're like sexy. But yeah, when he was young, he was pretty sexy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's the same he's thing. He's weird, with, a little weird looking, but not but like an Adam Driver weird looking. It's the way. same thing with Christopher Walken, which he comes up later, is that like. The young Willem Dafoe and Christopher Walken's like, yeah, they're like sleeky, good looking guys. They just kind of have fish eyes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so there's a lot of like, <laughs> there's a lot of like back and forth. Like his a, partner gets killed. His partner gets killed. There's a lot of like doing like stuff like, oh, this is a, not the way we do things, but I really want to get this guy. And there's also a certain amount of like, yeah, but I'll also take money to do stuff. And I don't know. It's, it's all over the place in some ways. It's, a, I felt found it was a little, like I said, just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot going on here, and a lot of it feels like it could have been cut. I know it's, people are like super fanatical about this movie, and they I, love it. And I think it's beautifully shot. Yeah, I think the soundtrack by by uh, Wang Chung is a bit much. Okay, that song was <laughs> terrible. I I did not. Know, I, I always thought that this movie was like very deep and yeah. uh, like dark and brooding, and then it's just like to live and die in LA. No, it's 1985. So everything is like it just doesn't fit with like what the themes are because there okay there are two times in this movie and this is the first time i've ever seen this squib before and i was kind of shocked uh by the violent because it's very violent oh yeah and um brutally brutally but uh there are two times in the movie where someone is shot in the face with a goddamn shotgun and it's and it's a beautiful like practical effects and and uh, uh special effects that they do it's it's all practical where the squib is on their forehead and it just bah, and it's still the person mm. and it just blows away their forehead and it just like pops and you're like oh my god yeah and uh and it happens twice there's like because every the second time is like what the fuck well the second time i was just like i can't believe that just <laughs> what happened just happened oh yeah. my god what, wait what's this movie gonna do now <laughs> yeah and and what also what did it do at the very very end you're like wait what yeah. um but uh it it has a lot of twists and turns where william peterson then teams up with like a new guy who is not at he's definitely not dirty he's like more of a boy scout but he's getting involved more and more to try to figure out like who killed william uh, peterson's like old partner and uh and they get into some really bad scrapes and uh the guy is like kind of slowly being corrupt as well and that's when i kind of like the movie it's like one of those few movies where you're not really on board most of the time because sometimes it was kind of tedious um but when it lands its message and i i figured it out and it's like at the very end you're like oh yeah I kind of dig this. this. I see. It's one of those movies that I don't know how I feel about it all the way through until you got to the end. You're like, okay, I like this more than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. But it's also be- partially because it's just, you just feel slimy watching it. Everybody, it, you know, and that's fine for, it's a film, it's a film noir. You're supposed to some extent feel that way. But, but like, it is just but like, it's just so like, it's dirty in a way that, that usually with film noirs, I uh, think of the stylishness with it in a different sense than what L.A. noir is, which is always, which is usually that sort of 80s definition of stylish, which is like saxophones and neon and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Well, here's here's the problem. And, and Wang Chung. And Wang Chung tonight. <laughs> uh, with, with the problem, I think, that this movie and a lot of the movies have is that there is no charm or charisma that much. Uh, like the the charisma is like at ten fifteen percent 
for like the lead characters when you're like think it's like a noir like when you think of french new wave or french noir and yeah. films you're like oh man they're so sexy and cool and uh you know and they're not like you know semi-raping their girlfriends well, like Alain Delon <laughs> you're just like the the french actor yeah in tons of stuff. I just watched a, a one uh, from him a gangster film he did with John Paul Belmondo and they're both the coolest slickest guys and even though they're murderous scumbags yeah you're like Dude, I could watch you all day the the, the like, Le samurai and like just like which I still haven't seen yet. oh my god I uh, know. I just got shit for that last night. I don't want to hear it. I'll let you borrow it. Uh, I haven't seen any Melville films. Really? Yeah, no, no. Oh, man, they're really good. I know. Uh, can we talk about those instead? No. Uh, but, like, it's... That's the what I realize is that this movie, and I, I guess who... People who are fucking fanatics about this movie, which I completely don't understand, yeah. is that it's not a fun watch. It this is definitely not a movie that I'll make. I'm going to revisit and just like you know what, I just want to sit down and have a cup of coffee and good. and feel good. You know with what this movie needed? Axel Foley. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's uh it's just it's a lot. It's what um, need to put the crack in the tailpipe. Well, here's the thing too. I will appreciate the movie though for as like well, good on you having a lot of male nudity. Why well, I was not expecting. No, there is a lot of that. William Peterson took his clothes off a lot for stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, good he's for him. a good-looking guy. He is. And he, he, why not? You look at what I got. I, I mean, I, 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 if Willem I looked Def- like young William Peterson and Willem Dafoe, I'd take my clothes off too, all the time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we don't, and we don't. Now I go into an isolation chamber <laughs> <laughs> to change. Yeah. Uh, but when you go and shop him for clothes, like, uh, do you have some kind of like? Uh, enclosed structure yeah. that no one can hear me take off my shirt. You have like, like maybe sprays that come down <laughs> to get rid of bacteria and stuff. Because I've been outside for five minutes at least, and you do not want the stink in here. <laughs> uh, not in this JC Penny. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's all right. It's okay if I try on these pants without underwear. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'll tuck. <laughs> Anyway, uh, no, it's, I get anyone who totally loves this movie and I think it's a totally gorgeous, gorgeously shot film. And I think it's a really well acted film. Yeah. It just kind of made me feel faintly nauseous, nauseous the whole time watching it. Yeah. And that's, it's intent, I think. But I think there's a point I'm just like, I'm the guy I want my heroes to be cooler. (laughs) I just want to like my heroes. Yeah. To some extent. To some extent. There are no heroes in this film. No. And it, and it, and it's funny. I, I, I might sound very hypocritical because these are, I would say typically the type of maybe stories or characters that I gravitate towards more, but like, for God's sakes, give them something that just like makes them slightly likable because there is nothing here from just kind of like um, like all you have is sympathy for the new uh what's the guy's name um the new the new uh uh, oh john uh, pinko yeah uh like you know he's the old partner no uh, john pinko's the original partner oh wait uh who's the uh robert downey senior no that's the cop that's the head of the chief of police you're right i think it is john oh michael green Michael is Michael Green. I think so. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Anyway, so, uh, but yeah, eh, yeah. I, someone needs to make a supercut that just fuses this with Beverly Hills Cop footage, <laughs> where Axel Foley is the partner, and right? He's talking to him back and forth and make it like that's the supercut I want to see if to live and die. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm shallow and terrible, and I apologize. No, no, really. I just I I think that uh, it, 
we got to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, this is on 4K. Uh, and Again, it looks amazing. And with Kino Lorber, a lot of times with the straight just to Blu-ray releases, there's not a lot of bonus features. Usually you just will get a commentary in the trailers. But when they've been doing 4Ks, they've been loading it up with stuff. Now, these are all archival stuff, but it's all here. There's like a commentary with William Friedkin here, which is... I have not listened to, but apparently is really, really good. And all, generally listen speaking, here, you fuckheads. Generally speaking, people are like, listen to freaking commentaries because he doesn't hold anything back, which is as considering what we've said about him earlier is yeah. unsurprising. Um, but uh, William Peterson talks a lot about being uh, cast in uh, in this role and what it was like working with freaking and uh, like it just it goes through various cast and, and crew members. But there's a lot here, including a deleted scene and al- an alternate ending. Uh, I should have watched that because I heard about the alternate ending because the ending in this is kind of like what? Yeah, I don't know what happened well, our next one is one that I, I mean you were saying this is the only one that you felt kind of strongly positive about and this one is my favorite of the lot which was gloria which Man. is a neo-noir crime thriller by john cassavetes a director and writer who i've always been kind of mixed on i've seen three of his other films i and have all to admit them, this is literally my first one okay so all the other ones i've seen like the first one i saw was the killing of a chinese bookie which i, I, I want to see and i was like and i admit i was like younger i was in my 20s when i saw it and i was like this is boring and i don't care for it uh but you know i need to rewatch this stuff because mm-hmm. i know that film nerds are like how dare you not like john cassavetes films uh, <laughs> uh i like his nick cassavetes stuff you like the notebook uh-huh oh not that one. Oh, yeah his most famous and profitable movie that he's done. Yeah, I didn't like that one. I like him in uh, in Face Off as the bald uh, friend of Nicolas Cage. There is nothing that you cannot like about Face Off. <laughs> it is a 10 out of 10 perfect film. It's not and I technically. Will, I, it, no, it is. No. I mean, I can prove it with Long Division. Oh, my God. <laughs> that'll, <laughs> that'll be on the next gathering debate. Anyway, Gloria is his 1980 film that was considered to be his most commercial film. Uh, really? Which is, yeah, which is why a lot of people at the time didn't didn't a lot of people, and still today, like are like eh, I don't like this one because they're nerds for Cassavetes and they're like okay I like his more indie gr- grimy stuff. And I was grimy. A, this is fucking grimy. I was a hundred percent behind this myself. Uh, Gina Rollins, who I've always liked a lot, who was one of his definitely his diva. You know, like well, it's his wife. Yeah, yeah. She worked with her quite a bit. And yeah, she was at this point. She's like probably what in her mid forties here at this point. I think so. Yeah, something like that. It's New York City in the South Bronx. Uh, she ends up in a situation where her neighbor is an accountant for a New York City mob family, but there's a contract out on Played him. Played by Buck Henry. Because he's, yeah, he's been acting as an informant for the FBI. Uh, the neighbor rings her doorbell saying like, hey, look, this is happening. And will you please take our child? Because I, I just want him to survive. And I don't know if we're going to get out of this. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, I don't want anything to do with this. She herself has ties to the mob, but not as a working for them as I'm friends well, with you, them. You don't know that initially. And then you get to know her more and more throughout the film when she takes on the youngest kid. Because spoiler, I mean, this is the first like five minutes of the movie, but it's it goes full professional. Uh, where yeah. the whole family gets killed. Yeah. And you're like, like oh, I'm, fuck. Yeah, like, and you don't, it's not on screen, but no. you hear it and almost your imagination is kind of worse. For yeah. Because you're like, you, they give you just enough time to get to know and like them. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God. But she's like, well, of course, fuck, I don't want to take care of this fucking kid. There's, I'm like, I was a gangster's mall for all extents and purposes at one point. I'm yeah. not anymore, but they leave me alone. I leave them alone. I just go about my life and do my job, live in the shitty fucking apartment in the South Bronx. Which, yeah. You know, which you don't have to say shitty apartment because it's the South Bronx in the, in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> that is assumed. Yeah. Uh, and 
now she's stuck in this position where the mob want to find this kid, which also because the kid, the Buck Henry, the dad gave him the book, yeah. the books uh, for the mob, and it has like basically all the evidence, all the proof, and everything they need to like basically take down the entire mob. So she gives it to the kid, kind of on the on the run, but in a sort of like, can't we just work this out and just fucking like make this not like like I don't give a fuck about the family that was lame, but I don't really give a shit. Let's just fucking work this out, and they're just like just give us the kid and <laughs> there's a moment where she's like fuck that and just pulls out a gun and blows a Dude. bunch of guys away out of nowhere which you do not see as her no and it, you, it, it redefines the, the movie at that it point. is so cool because yeah. <laughs> yeah it's this moment when like five dudes are in a car and they they spot gina rollins and um uh and the kid out and the kid by, by the way special shout out to the kid i forget his name um but he is He's like, I don't know, fucking eight, maybe? Who won a Razzie for worst performance of the year. Oh, no. Admittedly, it is like, that's a criticism I can kind of get behind. He's not great. He's not great, but there's like, there's definitely moments when you're just kind of like, wow, I can't believe this kid is saying these things. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, um, but he holds his own for the most part. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they're, they're out in the middle of the street and they get spotted by these mob guys and they're like, hey, Gloria, just, uh, you know, give us the kid and uh, give us the book. And she's like, just take the book. And let me keep the kid and, you know, we'll be on our way and let's forget about the whole thing. Like, no, give us the kid. And then she pulls out the revolver and just starts blasting. And the guys are just like, oh, fuck. I did not. They did not see this coming. Because no. they're like, you know, we're not going to kill her. They're like, we're not going to kill Gloria. Yeah. She's going to cooperate. So we'll just convince her to cooperate. And there's a point she's just like. She has made her decision at that point. And it's kind of funny watching her go through this where she's not really bonding with this kid until uh, until way late in the film. Yeah. Like the kid's kind of an asshole, to be fair. Well, because his parents just got killed. His parents still. just got killed, but also the uh Buck Henry says like the last thing that he's telling him is like, You gotta be a man. You're the man of the house. You gotta be a man. And like yeah. the only thing and and it kind of start resonating with me is like, I guess kids then a days then a days then a days yeah um i mean i can tell you it was 1980 i was 10 you so were you I were understand. 10 000, i was a man of the house correct after my whole um, family was killed <laughs> um i i can only assume that living and living in new york um that you you kind of grew up a little bit faster yeah and uh now not to say that you know definitely in this particular situation he realizes what happens. His family's killed. And also he's with this person that is openly telling him he doesn't, she doesn't like him yeah. and doesn't want to be around him. And so he's having to like combat that with his own feelings. That's why I thought his performance was oddly good in at times when like the acting wasn't the greatest, but for what he was given and what he had to do and like be around this like pretty crazy violence. Uh, my take is it's a great script and yeah. the kid parts are written great and it's really well thought out and the kid doesn't quite pull it off. But Gina Rollins is kind of acting around it and making his performance stronger by how good she is. Because she's just fucking phenomenal. Man, she she is a tour de force in this movie. And, and like, I um I started reading a lot about this because I was digging the hell out of it. And, um, and then I realized that this has been either inspired other films or just blatantly remade uh, with Sharon Stone in the 90s. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know anything about these. Things. Okay. And like Leon the Professional is basically this movie. I mean, I don't know about that, but it was mm. deeply influenced by it for sure. I mean, there are, uh, that's a strong. I mean, she's not teaching the kid to be a professional assassin. <laughs> no, she's not. But I mean, it's 
I mean, the setup is literally it's, the same. It's similar in those ways. It's the same. Also, Akira Kurosawa called this one of his very favorite, favorite movies. I saw time. that too. Yeah, I was like, okay, I get it. This is a movie that like I was reluctant about, but I'm like, I haven't watched. It's been two. When they put it up, I was like, I haven't seen a Cassavetti film in a very long time. And my previous yeah. experience was not good, but I'm a lot older now. And I haven't older. seen. Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> and I haven't seen this one. And I do know I like Gina Rollins. Let's give it a try and it kind of grabbed me almost immediately i did yeah i i was really digging i i i really dug uh the opening credit sequence was shit uh, i know there was i was reading about it, it was like this local artist and i was like this is bad <laughs> um but uh w- but the 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 way that he shot things the way that it was edited and like the pacing at the very beginning i was already feeling very tense and it was just like the mom mm. who was later killed uh, the bomb, like bringing home groceries back to the apartment. It's like, what the fuck is happening? And, uh, and it, it, it was really good with like planting all these details that you weren't noticing at least immediately. And you're like, Oh, wait a minute. There was a guy in the lobby. Like, Oh, fuck. There's something going. Oh, shit. Yeah. And it just, the way that it naturally starts to play out, I thought it was just so well done and like the storytelling wise was incredible uh and and it's just a really cool idea uh like yeah yeah let's get a older lady ish uh <laughs> a few years older than me ish uh, <laughs> many years younger than me <laughs> i was like uh, man Gina rollins is hot what a young fucking babe <laughs> and and get a kid and she has to protect him from the mob i'm like that's kind of cool no i mean and again even at the time this was a tried and true pr- plot structure had mm-hmm. been done before like and this is one of the criticisms some critics had at the time like mm. this feels like he's just falling back on a very like tropey we've seen this before but i've seen most of those films and this is one of the better ones i've seen of yeah. this uh, setup i it's it's in completely engaging and gina rollins is the star yeah like every like everyone else in this are in this movie but she is the star yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and um yeah that's the thing is like even if you've seen like you know the same type of story told maybe in a different ish way or the same type of tropes but if you have like a really good script and good actors mm. they'll carry it and elevate it agree and that's what they did uh, we're going to move on. Oh, I will just say, unfortunately, this only comes with a trailer. It's a Blu-ray from Kino Logo. Uh, only one, two trailers. Two trailers. Ooh. Uh, but, and I would love to have seen like retrospectives and stuff on this. I think this is a great movie, but yeah. that's all there is here, unfortunately. Our next one is another Lorber film, 52 Pickup. Yes, I've been, Lorber's been putting out some stuff lately that's like, oh, this has always been on my, I should have watched this by now list. Yeah. Or, which are kind of like <clears throat> going like, it could be really good or it could be really bad. Like you can never tell with stuff from the seventies and eighties with the cool guys of the period, your William Peterson's, or in this case, your Roy Scheider. We were like, I always wondered about this one. I mean, I remember growing up, always seeing it in the HBO little guides. They would mail you on mm-hmm. HBO. Like, yeah, I don't know if I want to see that. I, well, wanted, I wanted to see shit with elves and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> it <laughs> seems like what Kino Lorber is doing is putting out movies or re-releasing movies that is like, you ever heard of this? No. It's like, well, it, it feels like they made it up, like a Mad Lib of an idea with actors and directors like, wait, it, well, wait, hold on. Well, they Roy de- Scheider and Margaret based on an El- Elmore Leonard novel. Yeah, well, that alone, and, I'm like, those two people yeah. and based on Elmore Leonard novel, I'm like, I want to see that. And then it's like, oh, by the way, it's directed by John Frankenheimer. And directed by John Frankenheimer. <laughs> and this is where the Mad Libs come in. <laughs> 
and produced by Canon. Yeah, well, Yorm Globus yes. and Menaheim Golan. And now that's what I want to talk about because I love those men, uh-huh. even though they're basically responsible for Superman three and four. Well, yes, but also they're responsible maybe for why the actor strike and writer strikes are happening because uh, they popularize popular lie. Uh, I know what you're trying yeah. to say. Anyway, Fine. rented lips, but uh, they. They kind of created this idea of just like pumping out like product. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they're kind of the reason why I guess one of the last movies we're talking about is fucking ex- in existence. <laughs> and so it's, it's interesting to see this movie that has such pedigree behind it yeah. and these two dildos <laughs> do this. And the thing is though, I don't know if I like this movie. <laughs> I, I had mixed feelings about this film, for sure. Um, I did like... Oh, what, 52 Pickup is I, what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I did like what Frankenheimer did with it as a director. I think ultimately he brought a lot of his Frankenheimerness to it in a good he way. He loves cars. Uh, and loves conspiracies and that sort of thing, which is all about that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, lone guy who's not necessarily a good guy, but like making a decision to like fight against the conspiracy. In this case, well, the problem is, is that... The con- he has made a very poor decision in his own life. It's Roy Scheider is Harry Mitchell. He's a very successful rich guy living in L.A. whose wife is running for uh, city council. Uh, these blackmailers demand money from him because they have a videotape of him and his mistress, a young stripper. Which Kelly like, oh. Preston. Yeah, uh, man. Kelly Preston was gorgeous. At this point in time, was the hottest woman in the world. Like uh, we watched. Um, uh, what was it called? Uh, the one with John Travolta where he gets brought His to life? a city in Russia uh, and um, with, and told, oh, we need you to turn this American city. They think it is. These are Russians bringing him here to like turn it into a cool place. Oh. Yeah. And Kelly Preston plays a Russian agent who's there oh, who yeah. falls for him. And there's a dance scene between the two of them where they're just pretty much fucking on stage. And you're like, what the fuck? She is so hot. And that's the, where they fell in love. And you watch it happening on screen. Yeah. Right. Uh, the experts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, yeah, Kelly Preston, she was just so hot, it was insane at this period of time. But also, Anne Margaret is Roy Scheider's wife. Who's also hot. She's gorgeous. She's, She's just Anne Margaret. She was just older than Kelly Preston. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Well, it, it's noticeable that it's like, oh, Roy Scheider's character has a type. <laughs> like, he's like, I only get the best of the best. Uh, so... He doesn't want to surrender. His lawyer says, just fucking, they'll never, ever leave you alone, even if you pay them. Uh, so he says, I'm not going to pay. Uh, and things just elevate from there. And to the point where the the um, people who are blackmailing him, it's revealed early on. It's like a porno guy. And like people were played by in an incredible John Glover. Who's just <laughs> who is chewing up all the. Zero. I did not know that you can eat that much ham in yeah. one sitting but he is hamming it up yeah so so well too like he it's not like so over the top he's a ridiculous sleazy porn magnet he's like i don't know i don't know how and, to describe and, it and he's like he's absurd and and the best baltimore accent yeah. i've ever seen it is so weird and it's like I, I can't, I, I'm not going to try to reproduce it, but I, like, it is just, it is such an odd, like, accent and a choice that he's doing is like, what are you talking about? And, uh, it's just so fucking weird. Well, they make a huge mistake and decide to murder his girlfriend on film and go, like, okay, and now we're more serious because you wouldn't pay us and we demand even more and you're going to have to pay us regularly. And he's like, this will not stand. And, uh, I'm going to get a wreak a terrible revenge. And I'm realized that, 
this is probably going to end my marriage, but I don't even care anymore. Like what you did was, it's not okay. No, and I'm, I'm gonna it's do, not okay. I'm going to use my massive accounting skills to, <laughs> to defeat you. Well, I, I did like that part where, uh, so the other guys, uh, Clarence Williams, the third, who is, awesome oh, he's always the, awesome he's so good in this he's always so over the top uh but but, but why was little... he never in a fucking john carpenter film uh well he's in tales from the hood um no but he feels like a guy who should have been he should have been the yeah. black the black guy in a john because every right. every carpenter film's got the black guy right and you're like oh, he should have been the black guy in a john carpenter film. well in this though i mean he is he can get scary uh like he was he was pretty he was so intense all the time and the third guy doug mcclure I don't know who that is. And uh, you know who Doug McClure is? Should I? I, I he, he looked familiar. Well, I, I know mainly because Mystery Science Theater would reference him all the time because he was in a lot of really bad movies. Oh. But he was also kind of like a hero and television. He was like in Gidget, like, you know, which was a big deal at the time in 1959. But like he was on the TV show The Virginian. And I don't know. He's oh. one of those guys that oh. at that period, he was like everybody knew who he was. Wait, is Doug McClure the, the like the other kidnapper? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. Um, but they, um, w- what I really do like about it is that Roy Scheider, once he he comes up with an idea of how to uh, fight them in a way where he is going to play them all against each other, it's like okay, this is now it's kind of picking up. Yeah, fit to do pick up. And this is considered to be L.A. Noir as well. I mean, it is, and again, this movie. Everyone is awful. But although it's not drenched in style, LA style, the way that To Live and Die in LA is, and ultimately you yeah. watch it and you feel like this could take place in Chicago. You know? Yeah, it, yeah. It's just like nothing and nothing about it made me think LA, except that it's the part of it's in the porn world, even to the point there's a party and a bunch of major real life porn stars are there and naked, yeah. like like fucking uh, uh, Ron Jeremy and Amber, Ron Jeremy Amber it, yeah. Lynn and yeah, people yeah. like that. You're like, okay. But I watched this with Eric and he was pointing out all the porn stars. That sounds, that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a really, again, like kind of like live uh, to live and die in LA. It's just like, oh man, okay. Um, I don't know if I like anybody. I mean, honestly, the only person I really liked because I just couldn't wait for to see him again was John Glover. I mean, yes, uh, he is one of the standouts of this film. And generally speaking, the scenes of the porn guys are really c- super fun. Rorschach is kind of boring in this. He's A just, little bit. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes uh, To Live and Die in L.A. stand above this. Also, I think Friedkin directed the shit out of To Live and Die in L.A. And this yeah. feels like a work for hire. A little bit. From Frankenheimer. Well, canon. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Peterson is much more charismatic and interesting than Scheider is. He's just like, he's basically a glorified accountant in this film. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That, that's that has, like, some skills. I mean, I do like the end with the, the surprise of, like, how he defeats at least one of the, the guys I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But yeah, it's just like, it's, it's really, it's a cold movie at times. We're just yeah. like, God damn. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know. Uh, I just, it's another movie. And it's like, wow, I didn't have a good time. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, that, that, that was a little, it, it wasn't boring. Really? It was just, um, 
it, it felt a little tedious and it's just again another movie I would never want to like again sit down with a cup of coffee like let's watch you know 52 pickup by the way even though it's going to John I just watched Paul Schrader's Hardcore with George C. Scott which oh, I've never fucking seen I want to see that I always wanted to see it but it always kind of scared me off a little bit because I'm like okay this sounds like too grody for me even you know uh, and it's fucking amazing can I borrow it yeah you can borrow it uh, I really really love I it but it's it one of those like at the end, there's no good answers. Yeah. Nothing works out the way you would hope it would do work out. And yet you're just sitting there going, I have so much to unpack from this movie. Yeah. Um, and it, this thinking back on these films makes me think about how much better of a film that is from the same. <laughs> That's the thing. It's just like, also, Paul Schrader is like kind of the king of that stuff. Yeah. Where you're just like, you feel real bad. But at least you think about it yeah. afterwards. You're this pretty- is just kind of like. This is kind of a fart in the wind. Yeah, it's one of those a year from now, I'll be like, did I see that? I, I mean, I guess everyone else did too, because again, I had no idea this movie ever existed. And it's, it feels like a mad lib. Like, uh, John Frankenheimer, Rochado, Anne Margaret, uh, uh, Elmore Leonard, and uh, I don't know, uh, Canon Films, whatever. Well, our next film is. Anything by, on it? Uh, 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 hardly. And there's an isolated score. Audio commentary. Oh, there is? I yeah, by that. filmmakers, historian Steve Mitchell and Edwin Look at you, Samuelson. Up the slack. And music track. I don't care. Anyway, our next <laughs> film is directed by Sidney Lumet, The Anderson Tapes. What um, is this stack? The stack is so weird. There's all this prestige. Yeah. And why did they only produce these well, kind well, of subpar not, movies? We're not, we're not looking at their best works. To be no, honest. this is not good. Not it's, it's the it's from, not, not bad. It's interesting. They're all interesting, but none of them are like, you'll go... I'm looking at this in the context of the rest of their career as interesting more so than it is a film in and of itself. This is the title of this episode is, uh, is from Chernobyl when they give him the, the bad bullshit boss guy is like the numbers of what's going on. It's like, all right, not great, not terrible. And, uh, <laughs> I was going to go with crimey wimey, but crimey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, limit is a huge director. He was been nominated five times for Academy Awards for best director, 12 angry man, Dog Day on Afternoon, Network, uh, The Verdict, and one for Best Adapted Screenplay for Prince of the City, which I need to watch. I've never, I've never seen, that. seen that that one. But he's done a lot of really, really good films. The original mm-hmm. uh, Murder on the Orient Express, Equus, which I was just being told recently, I really need to see his mm-hmm. version of Equus, that it's really good. Um, uh, Before the, the Devil Knows Your Dead. Before the Devil Knows Your Dead. Yeah. yeah uh, he is a huge deal. The Anderson Tapes is not one of his better films. This is and I felt bad. a deal. I felt bad because we just watched a crime film with Sean Connery. The last time we recorded yeah. together, we both were like, oh my God, The Great Train Robbery is so fucking good. It's so fun. Yeah. And this is like another crime film where he's leading a heist team. Okay. And I'm like, oh dude, this is going to be the This shit. could be like Sean Connery's uh, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Answer, no. No, it is not. It is not. This movie, okay, like how The Great Train Robbery, it was like, fun horny this is rapey horny yes agreed because right out of the gates i don't know if you remember this he is explaining how he like because he's a safe cracker it's like i don't know uh cracking in a safe is it's like rape it's like you <laughs> know you just in, have to take it by, that in a good way <laughs> you have to take it by force and like and eric and i are watching this mouths agape and just like <laughs> what this is the first 10 seconds of this movie. Yeah. And like, what the living fuck is going right, on? So he plays this guy, Duke Anderson, as you said, charismatic, if you will. Ish. Chief. I mean, he's playing you guys that way. He just says shit like that. And you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
I, I don't he's know. just out of jail, uh, along with uh, some of his co-conspirators, and he decides to rob this huge luxury building in the heart of New York City. Uh, after he visits his former girlfriend, who's a hooker, played by Dylan Cannon, who's, a, I'm sorry, Diane Cannon, who is hot as shit. Man, sure. she is wanting to bone him yeah. immediately. But she's living there because she's found a good deal from a rich guy who's keeping her as like yeah. a, her sugar daddy, right? Yeah, yeah. But she's like, well, he's out of town, so let's fuck. Uh, no, 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 no. He's not out of town. She calls him and be like, hey, uh, 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 Cliff or whatever his name was. Uh, I was like, Cliff, um, yeah, so my old boyfriend just got out of jail, so he's going to live with me now. So I want to only see you on like maybe Thursdays. And he's like, wait, what? I was like, no, sorry. That's just how it so is. I know this you're how paying I think- for this incredible luxury apartment. <laughs> but uh, but he's there and they do it. And he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to rob this whole fucking place. And he comes up with this whole plan, reaching out to like getting a whole gang, get the gang together, get well, the a, Ocean's Eleven gang together. A couple of the, the people that uh, left prison at the same time as him is this like old poppy pops guy and brand new to the world, Christopher Walken. Yeah. Who yeah. it was his second feature. And it was like it's and it says in the t- uh, the credits, like introducing Christopher Walken, like, yeah. whoa, yeah, very young, who gets maybe six lines of dialogue in the whole film. Uh, no, not necessarily. It's, it's not a lot. Well, at the very beginning, it's not a lot. But then he he gets in there. But even then, it's not much. Chris, will you they shut did, up? They didn't. Know will what, you shut up? They didn't know what they had with Christopher Walken. So they didn't give him like Christopher. Anytime Christopher Walken's in your film, he should have a moment where there's a pause and he gets to deliver a sort of mildly outraged speech about something that yeah. shows how they psycho just he didn't is. didn't know, you know yet what they, they didn't had. know. But yet, like, Martin Balsam is playing one of the, the guys who's working with him. I always love Martin Balsam. Uh, Ralph Meeker, uh, Alan King plays the local crime lord who they have to work with mm-hmm. to, like, you know, uh, make this deal happen. Broker um, the deal or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Margaret Hamilton, who is the Wicked Witch of the West. Is in I know. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of like recognizable people in here. And at first I'm like, I'm with this except for the fact that I don't like Sean Connery as much as they want me to like him. But as it goes along, you're like, this is not moving fast and it's not the world's most brilliant plan. And then at the end, you're just kind of like, so first off, what was I supposed to feel about any of this emotionally based on the way it ends, which I don't want to say, but second, the whole like, Everyone is spying on us all the time. Subtext because constantly Man. intercuts with okay. this thing with That's... the government is recording everything and they know what's happening and it never comes to anything. Well, it's uh, it's the burn after reading uh, ending where they um, there's like the FBI and uh, secrets. Uh, all these other divisions of government are spying uh, inadvertently on Sean Connery because they're actually trying to get to Alan King. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, this guy seems to be kind of involved with this shit. Uh, let's let's spy on him, and so they have. That's why it's called the Anderson tapes, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and so, but it has very little to do with anything. Well, I mean, like if you want to watch a film about that, that's good. You watch Coppola's The Conversation, right? Right. But the the editing and the sound design in this movie is god fucking damn it confounding because there is this like horrible like what i'm assuming they thought like all right this is us being a super high tech (laughs) we're gonna put these sound effects that are basically like like anytime there's like technology involved that's above analog uh and which is all analog by the way uh but it it is 
It is crazy. And it feels like it's all these beeps and boops. And uh, it was driving us nuts. And know, it was just it's so- better than the 80s where we discovered that hacking was just about like holding a video controller and going down a series of like tunnels on the on Honestly, the I'd take that over this because this was just fucking annoying. Um, yeah, this is another again, like 52 pickup because we watched these two movies. Oh, 52 back to- pickups are way better than this. Uh, yes, but what I was going to say though is that uh, like both of these movies, I don't like anyone. Yeah, like they're all sure. despicable. Like not not fun characters. Sean Connery is like he he's already done at this point like five Bond movies, yeah. and like the charisma that he has in this movie, I guess he spent it all before he did this. It's just you said it right when you said it's just so rapey. He's just it's so, so weird. He's just so rapey of a character. You're just like everything about you is just a, as toxic as possible. And there's no saving grace to you. They're going for smartest guy in the room energy. And what they get is he's just a piece of shit. And, and not only that, but he's not like the smartest man in the room. No, the plan is terrible. The plan is really bad. <laughs> it's crazy bad. All they're going to do is rob all the apart, like four apartments because they have some like sort of good shit and i was like man what kind of low rent low five well, bullshit is this badly planned out plan even if they weren't being taped the whole time i don't know how it would have worked I, I, yeah. I but i will say this is that uh there is uh, the the masks that they wear i was like ooh, that should be reused that was kind of creepy looking yeah those were kind of um but like t- towards the end when they're getting like uh fucking uh taken down a little bit by like or the cops are finally kind of figuring out what the fuck's going on uh which i did like how the cops were notified yeah um but it's just like even like how the cops are getting in it's just like <laughs> eric and i were talking about like do cops fucking repel off buildings like <laughs> right. yeah, it's like i don't think that's a fucking thing <laughs> uh, and garrett morris is in this for some and reason garrett morris is the cop. lead cop yeah i was like why is garrett morris here like i mean i don't get me wrong i like garrett morris but I, like known for comedy this this <laughs> is what drove me crazy about maybe both of these movies except for john glover and 52 pickup both these movies are wildly miscast yeah and I just, I don't understand I agree. why these people are in these roles because you're, you, you come, I'm assuming even the way that they probably marketed it is like Roy Scheider, Sean Connery. You're like, Hey, I, I'm going to fucking enjoy myself. It's a fucking movie. And you're like, Oh my God. He says rape the first two <laughs> seconds of the movie. Uh- yeah, I mean, the biggest problem is, like, the electronic surveillance thing. Like, I that would have liked so this annoying. movie so much better if they had just dropped that entirely. It, it was so and meaningless. there needed to be some way to fix the ending. There needed to be... The ending is, like, like you want to say something, but ultimately what you're trying to say is this thing about electronic surveillance, which has almost nothing to do with anything else going on in this film. Yeah. It just feels totally like you could have done it in post, well, and no one in this film even knew it was part of the story. Yeah, I, I think uh, Eric and I had a conversation about, because we, again, we were confounded as well, like, what the fuck did that have to do with anything? But, like, when this movie came out, uh, it was you know, around Nixon or like a little bit afterwards. Yeah. So it was like, maybe everybody a, felt like they had to say something. Yeah. They had to say something about it. But, uh, but what's funny is that even at that moment, those things hadn't, I don't think came out just yet or something. Yeah. So it was like, it was like, Oh, it was kind of prescient. It was like ahead of its time. But then again, I'm just kind of like, but it didn't lead to anything that was even that much of value no. to the story itself. I agree. And it I mean, was, the one thing that came out of this in value, it was the film that broke 
Sean Connery out in audience's mind from being James Bond, where he sure. got a chance to actually, where he apparently would say, had said, no one wants to cast me in anything that I'm not just playing Bond yeah. and I'm having a hard time. And he intentionally took this to be kind of a bad guy because he wanted to play a very different type of role and audiences bought into it. And after this, he had no problem getting different types of roles. Yeah. We started looking at his career afterwards. We're like, whoa, he's done tons of shit that I've never heard of before. Yeah, Not all of it is good. No. But Zardoz is pretty good. All right. Next movie. You don't like oh, Zardoz? Uh, I, I haven't seen it, actually. Oh, oh, my friend. Zardoz. So audio commentary by film historian Glenn <laughs> oh, Kinney. Yeah, there's, there's audio there's a trailer commentary. and TV yeah, spot. It's a reversible cover. Yeah, um, oh, God. No, dude. Zardoz is not a good movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> 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 Which is my way of saying, if you think this is one of the worst movies you've ever seen, I understand. But if you think it's one of the best movies you've ever seen... I understand. I totally understand. <laughs> yeah. I'm not dressing up as him in that movie anytime Oh, so. I'm going to do that for Halloween this year. No, you're not. Why not? You just said you go into isolated changing rooms. That guy wears a basically a, a sci-fi fucking like... Mankini thing? Mankini for the whole movie, and that's about it. It looks and sounds very comfortable. <laughs> it does not. Well, it's been a while since I talked about one of the Death Wish films, and I'm not going to here either, but we're going to talk about a film that feels like it was kind of a response to the Death Wish films, which is the 1982 film Fighting Back, also called in UK Death Vengeance, that's now that's released what it was by called? Arrow. Yeah. Death yeah. Vengeance? Death Vengeance is a terrible name. I thought like on the poster it said, like, enough is enough. No, it does say that, but that oh. wasn't the title. Yeah. That should have been the title. Yeah. Enough is enough. No, actually, that would have been a better title for this film. It Fighting Back is like a weirdly generic title. You know, it's just like, what does that tell you about? I don't know. Well, and like, it is like, like I referenced Death Wish. It's the idea of this guy played here by Tom Skerritt uh, in Philadelphia who has. Was in Phil- I thought it was in New York. Uh, Philadelphia, yeah. Oh, uh, who, like is all this? Like, there's so much crime here. He's Italian American. He's very tied into the community. He runs a deli in town that's well thought of. Uh, he comes across a pimp who's brutalizing a prostitute. Uh, he, like, his wife is like, "This is bullshit." Like, play, play, played by Patty Lupone. Yeah, young Patty Lupone, who was in Boa's Afraid just recently, and who is gorgeous. Yeah, and great. Uh, but like, he's like, oh, God, I gotta deal with this. And then like shit goes down and uh, violence, more violence happens. And before you know it, he's like, I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to get a neighborhood patrol starting of regular citizens who are fed up with crime, who call the people's neighborhood patrol or PNP. We're called Batman that create their own uniforms, which is never a good idea. If you're dealing with violence, on their I don't know. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Cause they had this, like this red patch. Yeah. And this white, like, overlay. Yeah. And then they had these two, like, they looked like S's. What could go wrong? What could go wrong with that? <laughs> and they named themselves uh, g- uh, Gaspacho or something yeah, like that? Gaspacho. <laughs> <laughs> Which would follow their being Italian at all. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was quite clever. Wait, that's Italian, right? No, it's Russian. Is it? Uh, ma- Italian? Gaspacho? Gaspacho? I thought that was Italian. I don't know. Ooh. I need to watch more cooking shows other than the Great American, uh, Great British Bake Off, which is only just cakes and shit. Yeah. Uh, They're Nazis. <laughs> anyway, the kind of Nazis and that the film doesn't make any. It's, it feels it's, clear how about this? that this is the most unsubtle movie in human it history. It feels clear it's on the side of not 
it, it, to some extent of like, I, we're not with these guys. We're telling their story. And yet does it because the film goes back and forth the whole time because he becomes, he's talked into by people like usually become a politician. You yeah. Have this, it, this film feels weirdly present. Um, it is. It, yeah. it, it's, it's a very, again, it's another movie where like, God, I hate everybody in this movie. Uh, except for, uh, Yafat Moto. Uh, did I say Yafat Koto. Yafat Uh, he he plays a I don't even know who he plays. He plays a guy who's trying to re- rehabilitate uh like uh people who are in poverty, who are homeless and like, you know, doing yoga and like, you know, uh plays and well, yeah, shit like and, that. And and John is trying to get him on his side as yeah. well cuz he's like, look, we need people like you who are trying to actually help to go like, hey, we need to take a stand and he's like, yeah, but the stand you're taking is wrong. That and also, I'm pretty sure you're racist because yeah. it seems like the only people that you are attacking or saying that are it's black people are black people. Yeah. And uh, now, here's where I I think to your point that it's prescient, and I kind of go back and forth because it this this feels like a movie that I would want to make, and I'll tell you why. Really? Yeah. Uh, because it is presenting a character that is. In a very specific situation to where the, uh, where ethnicity is important to the story, but the situation why he is like the catalyst of the story that so happens to be that the, the quote unquote bad guy is a, is a black person who is, he happens to be a pimp that is uh, beating this woman up and all this kind of shit. And then it it sparks his idea of creating this kind of like vigilante group where they're, uh, you know, doing the stuff that the police don't, um, that it then blurs the lines of what his intentions actually are. And cause it, it, cause there are black guys in the uh the vigilante group and so you're just like well then you're just like well i can't be racist i know black people and uh and so i don't i i spent this whole movie confused about are you for this vigilanteism or are you trying to make a point against it and by the end i went i'm pretty sure you're trying to make a point against it i I think it's against it because i think what the the whole idea is that this is what violence does is that people who are at the end of their ropes it can then what what i think this actually might be one of now i'm actually thinking about it and talking about it more because i just finished it today i i like this movie a lot more than a lot of the other movies except for gloria um that it yeah it's surprisingly entertaining it's 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 entertaining there's a couple times where it's goofy uh i mean admittedly it's not as entertaining as the first like two death wishes which are very entertaining but like are sociopolitically fucked up as shit right yeah but <laughs> what I, I what i think it was interesting about is this it's more of ahead of its time with what it's trying to talk about is that this kind of morally corrupt guy or who ends up becoming a little bit more morally corrupt because he's being um you know the the commissioner the mayor like he's being a little bit more well known in the community and they're like holy shit he's gonna try to run for office the thing is he's not even thinking about that until someone says it to him like hey i bet you're running for office and he's like i know i don't know part of the confusion where they present him as this guy who's like oh he's a good guy like he does not interested in politics and like it's not corrupted by politics but i think that ultimately the goal here was to say that everybody is eventually corrupted by politics who gets into it i think so and i think that's their real point here. right because because pol- politicians 
ultimately are threatened by someone who is trying to do something and getting quote unquote airtime by doing something that is, you know, good for some, uh, maybe bad for others, but it's like, it's getting enough, uh, publicity in, in this case that they feel, uh, threatened to where they're going to be like, holy shit, they're going to try to do this. And then they, it's like inception, like the, the, <laughs> the, the, well, no, it's like the, the, what's the, uh, the, the worst guy ever to compare fighting back to Inception, <laughs> well, it's, right? Sulek. <laughs> well, it's, it's like the, what's the, the, the worst that virus. at the end of the film where top okay, is okay, spinning. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. The, 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 that's the most dangerous virus is an idea yeah. is that they plant the idea in Tom Skerritt's brain yeah. is that they say like, well, you're going to try to run for office, right? Like, no, I don't I, no, I don't think no, so. That's the most interesting part of this film. It is. Yeah. Uh, honestly. And I feel like it doesn't quite know how to wrap it up at the end. It's it. Th- here's the thing. I think the, um, the film's idea is vastly more in- interesting than, than the, film itself. the film itself. Because, uh, and that's why I'm like, oh, wow, this would have been um, an idea or movie that I would have liked to have made at some point. Cause I think it's, it's, it's engaging. It is, uh, challenging f- to say the least. Like you could remake this film in today's world. 100%. And make it really a fascinating, challenging film. Yeah. Uh, and this film is approaching that for the time. But right. Never quite delivers. It asks questions as opposed to, specifically coming to conclusions and i feel like it could have come to conclusions and made it more interesting it, it just it, like, it, it feels like like it reminds me of network in a weird sort of way i, I get what you're saying yeah. i i know what you're 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 talking about with yeah. this and but the 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 problem is is that it it ends up at times the 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 pacing and the the tone is off it's like it's sometimes it gets goofy like there's times when like he uh, Tom Skerritt and uh, his his posse are going into a bar and like just basically starting shit. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's a shot and I I saw this today. I was like I uh, gall or uh, what is it a uh, guffawed uh, at this moment where it cuts to this guy who is about to like basically punch someone and he literally says out loud kung fu. Yeah, and yeah. like, wait, what? No, I feel like you could do a much more ballsy version of this today with, you know, a character who is a person who starts as a good local businessman who gets corrupted by Adam the Driver. idea of get him Adam Driver in there <laughs> gets corrupted by the idea of like there's too much crime in my neighborhood because I personally experienced a thing mm-hmm. gets all into it gets corrupted by the politics of it is on top of that and just gets sucked in more and more into stuff that he never initially believed in and that really starts to screw up his own family life as well because of it yeah so the Alex Jones biography yeah <laughs> <laughs> I you know it would actually be a good remake like this could be a good remake as a t- like a mini series yeah that de- done by David Simon okay like yeah I could see that yeah, yeah. and but with Adam Driver or uh, what is your Adam Driver thing? I don't know he's great yeah it's great he could be he could be a a, a Tom Scarry I think this is a pretty solid little film that at the end I was like. I'm thinking about this. I'm, I'm, I'm continuing about this. I'm burping about this. I'm, I'm continuing to think about this. Sorry, we do drink alcohol when we're doing the show. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I kept thinking about it. And there, like in a way that I was like, it bothers me. In a way the movie wanted me be, be, to, to be, be bothered. bothered. Yeah, I, exactly. 
I like this. It's just not a very well shot or made film. Yeah, it's. It, I, that's the problem. Is that uh, it's again the sum of its parts is not the greatest thing in the yeah. world. But yeah. like, there are definitely ideas and moments in in the film. They're like, wow, that's really interesting. That they're. So I think again, Yafet Koto, uh, like any. The elevates stuff. anything yeah anything that he's yeah. doing in it because there's this fantastic moment where he is challenging tom scarrett of like hey we found uh the guy um that uh fucked up your mom uh because his mom got uh got a beat up or something and um <laughs> and uh i don't know what the fuck yeah I don't uh, know. whatever <laughs> i was watching this 1.5 speed they wouldn't take our coupons yeah they <laughs> But there's two guys uh, up against uh, this door, and uh, it's this white guy and a black guy. And Tom Scarrett immediately goes after the black guy, and it was a test. It's like, see what it is? You are racist. And I was like, holy shit, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, there's really interesting stuff going on in yeah. here in the script. Like, it's a good script. <laughs> I was like, okay. And Scarrett's great at it. He's giving it his all. Yaffa Coder's not in a lot, but he's he only is, like in two scenes. But when he is, he's Yaffa Coder. What do you yeah. want? You know, he's always great. But this is a really interesting film that I feel like someone should look at this and maybe not do a remake, remake, but look at it as the inspiration for a new film. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. Yeah. Or like race swap it. Um, like to see what that does. I, I don't know. Oh. Like, I think there's a lot of gold in that movie. It's just like it just needs to be mined. Uh, there are a few extras here. Uh, there's a career-spanning interview with uh, Louis Teague, who is uh, the director of this film, who also did Cat's Eye, Alligator, Cujo, Jewel and Isle, The Dukes of Hazard Reunion. <laughs> I say it that way because there's an exclamation, an exclamation point. point. Yeah, yeah, you have to. And wedlock. Um, you know, okay, sure. Uh, and then there is <laughs> Danny Cam with Danielle N- Nanzuni, an interview with a camera oper- operator N- N- on N- here. N- uh, and then trailers and image galleries. So, yeah, this is fine. Uh, I think it's more interesting in a concept of what could have been. Yeah than what it ended up being but yeah. it is a really interesting watch it's not a film i'm gonna go back and rewatch. no but i was like like the rest of these so far <laughs> uh for most of them uh well, let's go on to the next one which is a stephen king ad- speaking of not watching ever again uh, adapted uh like some people would say a classic needful things there are people who are huge stands for the original theatrical region of, uh, version of Needful Things, as well as the original Stephen King book, I've met people who think it's one of his best books. Oh, so they're a thousand miles out of their goddamn mind. Have you read the book? Well, I have technically not read okay, things. Okay, so you cannot say that. Well, but would you agree? Uh, I've read the book, and I thought it was okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of anything that ties in the greater Stephen King universe. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is like... The the character Max von Sydow play, plays here is basically the same. Randall guy. Flag. Randall Flag. Like That's a, what I thought because uh, uh, I thought it was like watching it. I was like, oh, is he Randall Flag? Because his whole thing is multiverse. Yeah, well, because uh, I, I know. Look, I, I've never read any Stephen King, but I know all. Wait, li- what? I know. Uh, I I wait, don't. I said, never read a single Stephen King. I novel. said I didn't read. Asshole, God. No, you you definitely read. You have a library here. Or is it just for show? It's kind of for show. They're all picture books. There's there's no words. (laughs) They're they're just the covers. This explains a lot about your movie. (laughs) Uh, 
But uh, I know a lot about the the multiverse and the Dark Tower series and how it connects with like Randall Flagg and uh, the Crimson King. And with this is like, oh, so because he because uh, I know Randall Flagg's character is like in the Eye of the Dra- Dragon and, and many uh, and, other, the, the Talisman, stand and, and Talisman. Yeah. 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 And so I was like, oh, this is interesting. Well, like it's not Randall Flagg explicitly, explicitly, but it feels like maybe he's like a guy who works for Randall Flagg, whatever. Like, I don't know. Like it's tied, like a fun demon. It's enough that it's tied into that for sure. Yeah. And this is of course taking place in Maine. <laughs> oh, it's at Castle Rock. Yeah. Castle Rock. Uh, this has been explicitly referenced in the Castle Rock TV, uh, uh, the two seasons of the Castle Rock TV show as well. No, I saw the first one, um, this first season. Cause actually I actually thought the second season was better. I, well, uh, that's why I didn't watch the second season because I didn't care. Because <laughs> the first season was like, this is boring. I, I like the first season okay, but I like the second season better because it got all one of them. One of the main characters is uh, Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, young Annie Wilkes before she went full on crazy. And well, plus Lizzie Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan. I'm just like, it's Lizzie Kaplan. It's Lizzie Kaplan. It. I mean, you <laughs> like, got by it. definition, I'm going to watch Lizzie yeah, Kaplan. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, but um, this was directed by Fraser C. Heston, who is the Charlton son. Heston's son. Yes. Uh, his only film that he made without his father in the cast. Boo-hoo. <laughs> would, that, would not be interesting if Charlton Heston played, uh, what's his face? Uh, the, the bad guy? Yes, it would have been, but it didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maximum I, I love I said that out loud. I was like... What am I going with that? Max Benzino is is Leland Gaunt, who is a guy who moves to the small town of Castle Rock with a, a, you know, antique shop sort of thing. Antique shop type of thing uh, called Needful Things. Uh, Ed Harris plays Sheriff Alan J. Pangborn, one of the two big sheriffs of Castle Rock in the Stephen King mythology, who has appeared in other ones and Uh, is referenced constantly. He's in... was he in Cujo? I always forget. There's two, and I forget who's in what. Because, like, Cujo, Dead Zone. Uh, oh, he was in Dead Zone. It was uh, uh, Rooker uh, played him in the movie. Okay. Uh, Michael Rooker. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Played uh, Pagmore. But he's appeared repeatedly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, like, he's the first one, and there's a guy after him that also is in a bunch of them. Well, and Holly, and uh, the newest novel by Stephen King, she's Which been... everybody's saying is great. Everyone's saying is great. Yeah. And, uh, and someday I will never read it. You and, should. Uh, Stephen King books are great. I, I would love to read them. Uh, and I have, t- I have all of them. I know. My dad was a huge... I have Stephen King books. They're great. I have The Dark Tower. Yeah, they're uh, like... Well, I, I'm not going to defend The Dark Tower because I didn't like it. But, you know. What? Yeah, sorry. I'm the You're guy. that guy? I'm the guy who was like, this is boring. I'm move on. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. I've heard but this. But generally like, speaking, Stephen King books are really fun. I, I would love to someday not read them. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, Bonnie Bedelia. His son Bedelia, is great. I've read his son. Bonnie Bedelia plays uh, Ed Harris's uh, wife, Polly. Amanda Plummer is in here. J.T. Walsh. I always love J.T. Man, J.T. Walsh. Uh, okay, I remember watching this, and there was like, J- I cannot ever remember J.T. Walsh ever playing an okay guy. He always plays a dick. He plays always the best dick hole. He's the best dick character. God damn. And he's he is sick. He's full of dick, and he's a piece of shit. Trying to be any more dicks to your way to the parking lot. And I, I forget, though, it's like, okay, uh, I'm assuming in his books that I've never read, uh, but his movie versions. I still have never, like, okay, hold on. I'm, Wait, what? I've never met anyone who's never read a single Stephen King book. Like, everybody's read at least one Stephen King book. Nice to meet you. My name is Ryan Like, you've never 
read even one. No. Have you read a short story? Uh, he's written short story. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I've never read anything. Of I his. don't understand what's happening. I, I think I tried to start start to read The Dark Tower and then I, I gave up. Well, like, you started at the wrong place. Well, dude. Okay. I don't know how to explain it to you, but I, I'm not the best reader in the world. Like it takes like when I want to read something, I'll like just furiously well, read it. You're clearly very well educated, and you like have no problem. Like, like I talk to you, I'm like, this is the guy who reads. But I, I have not read even any Stephen King. I'm not saying he's the greatest writer of all time, but come on, I know he's the Charles Dickens of our time. I understand (laughs) the importance of Stephen King. I get it, and I'm fascinated with him. I love his stories. I think they're really interesting. And bothered. Well, you should be both. Anyway, but, so Max von Zito shows up. It's like, here's this thing. He's got this store and people start coming in. They're like, oh, this is the thing I need. And right off the bat, they're like, wait, how does he even have this? Like right from the beginning, a kid that comes in, it's like, I've got to sign Mickey Mantle. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, he's basically like, have you heard of the monkey's paw? Like, yeah. no. Like, well, that's this. I and, guess we're going to do that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's what it is. Oh, but, but he does, what he does though, is that it's like, okay, I'll give you this thing for free. Uh, but you have to play a prank on someone for it's me. It's an innocent prank. I'm just asking, I'll give you this incredibly valuable thing for free, but you just have to play a prank on this person because he is basically the dark man from all the rest of the stories who just wants the to cause black chaos. Runs in the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Randall flag who wants to cause chaos and burn the shit down. Yeah. And like make a town destroy itself because he can't be actively involved in it. He has to make people do it themselves. Right. So he's Satan. Yes. For all extents and, and purposes. He, it, it escalates to where the whole town is going ape shit. And uh, I did like the ending because the movie itself, because I watched the television version. Oh, I did too. I'm curious. I, shit. I meant to tell you to watch the other version. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, because I wanted, because I've never seen this before. Because yeah. I, I, I know the movie yeah. and or the, the, the movie and the television version. So you version. had previously seen the film? Uh, No. Well, if I had, it's been like okay. fucking years. I meant to tell you, which I'll for all the good it does now like watch the tv version we'll argue versus the difference because like i had never seen the tv version which is on here now which is basically like they had filmed a huge amount of more stuff yeah it's like a long it's three hours yeah it's long and it's not and, good and and, <laughs> and i was like i've only seen the theatrical version and i thought it was not good uh, and this is I not like better. Mac, I like Max von Sydow in it. He's fun. Yeah. It's just like there are moments when he's like, oh, super creepy when yeah. he uh. is sitting by his fire and he's like gripping his hands and he because he can feel the town like being infested by his like evil and like people are doing his bidding and I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I want more of that. And um, and Ed Harris's character, Ed Harris is always solid. It's just like it. The movie, I'm assuming why they turn it into a TV uh, uh, version of it is like it def- definitely feels like TV. Well, it failed as a it theatrically, and and they were like, we've got a shit ton more footage. Like, what do you think about turning it into a mini series instead to make and you can definitely some money? Yeah, and, and that's and, what happened. And this is the mini series version they have, but it's also got their original theatrical version here as well. Yeah, so you can watch either version. And I had never, and this is on 4K. I had never seen the TV version, which actually was for like so. King fanatics are fanatics. They're yeah, like 
super like, I want to see every last thing that's available. So this has been unavailable outside of tape trading for a very long time. Right. Right. Uh, so it was a big deal. They're like finally doing this. The, the TV version is not upgraded to 4k. The, uh, no it's yeah, not it's just blu-ray and i mean it's it's not rated r so there's there's definitely times where it feels a little bit more adr and dubbed for language and some of the violence is cut and yeah. you're just like okay and uh it it oddly makes it worse <laughs> yeah and uh i'm not crazy about it but i do think that the tv version in terms of the expansion of the characters added something to it in comparison i, I guess so yeah um I really like Amanda Plummer in this film. She's she's great. Uh, it, it's it's one of those uh, Stephen King characters. I'm assuming uh, that it's just so tragic because yeah. like she she's like it, he preys on the meek uh, in his stories. It's like that uh, that one biker guy in the stand uh, that like falls in love with the the super hot chick which uh, you only know from the miniseries I from think. the miniseries yeah <laughs> uh that like he's just doomed and like he preys on those people because they're so weak-minded yeah and but like they're so well, easily that's a, corrupted that's a standard of Stephen standard king, stephen yeah. king stuff and it's just like, like man stop being so weak-minded and maybe satan won't prey on you and take advantage right of you, and so it's again feels like you could remake this film today and make it about where the guy running the store is just trump <laughs> I'm gonna sell you the best. You like Mickey Mantle? It's just a he's, mess. he's the. It's the best baseball card you ever have. Oh, by the way, shoot yourself in the face later on. Uh yeah, this didn't do anything to to me to resell me on the film being good because I don't think it's a good film. I think the original book is fine. It's a. If you like Stephen King books a lot, by by all means, read it. It's a good. It's a much better book than it is a movie. And again, the book is goes so much harder than the movie does oh really oh man it goes way harder than the movie does like huh. there's some deeply disturbing shit in the book that the movie or the tv version interesting does not get into at all well that's that's yeah. the thing like i i forget that uh because you know i'm a huge avid re- reader of uh, stephen king books uh that his uh all someday this- i'm gonna teach you to read <laughs> Well, I need to stop doing this show so I can actually start reading rather than watching. Just put subtitles on it; will help. I do, uh, Have but you like learned anything. Mm, um, but I bring you some Doctor Seuss books. I <laughs> start. Uh, I hope there's ham in it. Um, but oh, the man. the uh, what I know about him is that like his books go so much harder. Than oh, the, the the films yeah. and it's just like th- and that's what intrigues me. It's like what I like about him and I and I, I love about his son because I, I love Joe I, Hill's I, great. Joe Hill's yeah. great. I love reading his stuff and I guess he has a dad that does it's stuff. Just baffles me. <laughs> you read Joe Hill but not Stephen King. I know. I uh, but I uh, I. <laughs> I don't even understand. This feels so real. Well, I've read all Joe Hill stuff. I've just never read any Stephen King. I'm like, who the fuck are you? So, but what I what I appreciate about it, the Stephen King is that like uh, Joe Hill's greatest fan. I don't give a fuck about your dad. <laughs> uh, but what I like about him is that he is very blue collar. The way that he writes, it feels very much like a. I'm I'm assuming like because I I've read some ex- excerpts uh from him, but uh and the way that he tells the story is like, oh this is interesting that he's he's a lot more low brow than I thought he was going to be, for some reason. Stephen King. Yeah, Stephen King. 
I mean, his whole thing is dealing with common people. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, and again, I would love Stephen King. I just, I've never read any of this <laughs> shit. Wow. I don't even know how you to know, you know what's this. You know what's interesting? I'm really is it, disturbed. That me. is more interesting and I disturbing than needful things. I thought you were a whole different person. <laughs> I love that my lack of reading anything of Stephen King is scarier like than the movie Needful Things. one Stephen King thing, I would let this go. But yeah. I cannot. I cannot let it go. I have... I have Dreamcatcher, and I have never read that. Well, why would you read that one? Oh, I heard it's good. No, you're heard wrong. I know. I, I Even heard. Stephen King would be like, oh, God, don't read like, that I one. was on lewds. Don't read that one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the, the 4K comes with the commentary, archival commentary uh, with the director. He's like, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this was written by the same guy, W.D. Richter, who wrote, uh, uh, I believe, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. yeah, no, he has and and Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, the the writer has like an odd pedigree, uh, and it's just like, oh, you needed yeah. this, this boring he, he schlock. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, and Big Trouble in Little China. It's who would like at least like all right. So his the all three of those are amazing. I, you know what I think it is? I think that it's because of Heston that it didn't rise to the occasion. Because like I bet that maybe the script was a little harder and they're like, Ooh, like, but uh, there is a brand new program with the screenwriter WD Richter, who weirdly has come out of nowhere recently to go like, I want to be known for stuff again. (laughs) He, he, he wrote a novel sequel to Buck Rubanzai. Like two years ago. I have it. I still haven't read it because the reviews have been, you haven't, I've read that. No, you haven't. No, I mean, why? I don't, of course, I, I would don't, read that. I don't believe you. No, because like I'm a huge avid Buckaroo Banzai no, fan, and I've read that book. I can't believe. I, I hold on one second. I'm shocked. Buckaroo Banzai is a five star movie, you? and uh, the sequel's book is probably not good. Um, but anyway, yeah. Also, I've never seen Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, really? Yes. We might have to do a special show, regardless of release <laughs> or not, just for you just to watch just it. me reading Stephen King books. Dude, I've watched. Buckaroo Banzai more times than almost any movie in, I've seen. Wow. I've watched it so many times. And I've read that sequel book so many times. No, you have not. That's not true. Did that piss you off? You're kind of a monster. <laughs> I thought you were a different person. <laughs> well, you know me, uh, right? I'm no, I always don't. Gonna... You don't? <laughs> Sorry. I feel, I feel I like just, you know me. I just, anyone who ever says that, I was like, no. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll let your joke go because it wasn't funny. But uh, so you, I, you, I love, you know me though. I love, love, love third world like horror films yeah. lately. Mm-hmm. Really into them. And they sent me another one recently, Cracked, which is a Thai horror film. Yep. And I didn't know what to expect. It was DVD only, which is not necessarily a, 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 a crack against. Oh, I see what you did there. Things. I know you. Because they're like limited, like, like who's looking for this stuff? Well, I'm the guy looking for this stuff. Right. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to see this. This sounds really cool. And it kind of reminded me from the concept of uh, a film, uh, The Devil's Candy. You know, I've never seen that. Oh, it's so Ethan good. Ethan Embry. Ethan Embry. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. So good. I've heard a lot of good things about it. But the guy like creating like this. Stephen King wrote that. No, he did not. Stop with the Stephen King. (laughs) Stop with your lack of Stephen King knowledge. 
Like, I, like getting into like the idea of like I'm painting these things and they have a power in and of themselves. Right, right. And I'm like, ooh, I love that. that that's really cool. And this here is about a wo- young woman who inherits a series of paintings from her father who is dead. They had a weird relationship. Uh, as you might imagine, that comes more and more revealed as the film comes on. She hires an art restorer to repair them because they're damaged. They have a lot of cracks in them. Uh, and what she's unclear on is the fact that there were supernatural forces involved. These paintings are infused with these supernatural forces. Or cursed, anyway. Yeah. And uh, shit's going to go down because of this restoring process. Yes. And it's going to do a lot with uh, revealing who her father really was, who is it's, not a good guy. Yeah, it's it's a, a flashbacky movie yeah. um, where it, how it explains the, um, how, how the paintings were put together in like the, the process that they were put together is like, oh, that's where the horror comes from. And um of course, there's a little girl that she has to defend as well. Yeah, her daughter. Yeah. Right. And, and um. And so, uh, what, you know, I, I liked uh, there, there is a, a slight twist uh, towards the end. Um, sure. but, um, it was, um, it meandered a little bit. I, I, I liked it okay. It, it was atmospheric in a way that I feel like I would have liked better if I had seen it in a theater. Yeah. This feels like a theater, see it in a festival type film. I, 100%. Yeah. I, I, I found points. I was like getting distracted and I'd tell myself, put your phone down. But, that yeah, being it, said, I thought when it get, oh, got into the third act and it starts really moving. Ramping up. And yeah. I was like, okay, here we go. It was pretty good. I was like, all right, this is cool. The the paintings in question are cool. The There's some aspects they did with it that reminded me vaguely of a John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Sure. Yeah. I, I think that the, 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 the problem I had towards the end is that like it couldn't live up um, budgetarily to the ideas that they're trying to go for because it, it, it was low budget. Yeah. And, um, and so some of the special effects are just like, this is not scary. Like, this is kind of, this, this doesn't look great. And for, but I get what they're trying to do. So I, I, I get what I was giving it passes. I thought it was a really cool idea with some cool moments of effects and originality. Uh, the paintings are, are neat looking and the way they adapt them and the, as it changes the school, it's just a film and an idea that would have benefited greatly from more budget put into yeah. it. Uh, it's interesting and it's from a director that you're like okay I think I would like to watch what you do next this mm-hmm. didn't feel like a film that was just following along the path of like oh we're just doing things that everybody has already done before and just doing a new version of it oh so, yeah no it's this- it's it's definitely different it has a point of view and uh, the, all the actors are p- really good in it yeah and um and the guy, it's a, it's a feature directorial debut as well. By, by it's the director. yeah, it's not too shabby at all. Uh, I I think like, again, it's like the thing is like I I get the idea, I get what they're trying to do. Um, I don't think it sticks to landing a hundred percent. Yeah, but um, it's a little predictable. It, it, yeah, uh, I was catching on very quickly. I was like, okay, that I I see who's the bad guy, and um, but uh, you know, I uh. I, I, I could have done with a little bit more uh maybe gross out gore. Uh just like like it's like I, I wanted more thrilling, kind of like crazy stuff in it. Because uh I, I for some reason the tone of the film was giving me the idea like to expect that, but I yeah. just didn't get it. Yeah. 
Uh, that's speaking of, uh, uh, I just rewatched Prince of Darkness the other day. We watched it in the theater. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Who? Stop. You know who it is. Why would you do that? Why would you insult the show by pretending you don't know who John Carpenter's and his film Prince of Darkness is? I have the theme song of Prince of Darkness on my phone. It's great. But I've never seen the movie. What? Chris, you're learning a lot about me tonight that I'm not very comfortable with. I'm really I love <laughs> you're just I like, literally invited you to come see it with me yesterday, and you're like, oh, I got stuff to do. I had to watch the rest of this shit. I would have forgiven it if you had come in. Oh, you serious? I could have not watched Fighting Back and uh, whatever. No, the fuck I would else? not. I would not have forgiven. Fifty two pickup. I would not have forgiven it. No, no, that's uh, you missed out though. Well, you missed me then because. I had to watch these movies. <laughs> Just pivot, 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 pivot. No, uh, cracked. I realized after rewatching most of it, not all of it, because I had to, I was the the manager at work when it was going on. I had, I only came in the last half hour. I've seen it so many times. The movie I most want a sequel to all these years later. Oh, Prince of Darkness. Yeah. I went to, said that to somebody there who's a friend of the the Summers Brothers who were part of uh, the Deliberation of the Doom who? podcast. And uh, and he was like, oh, you get there with these actors be a little old. I'm like, why do I have to explain to you there's absolutely no need to have these same actors in here? Wait, what? No, I'm not even going to bother going down this rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> the concept was the important thing, not the actors. Sure. That drives me crazy when you have to... Someone who has worked professionally in Hollywood for years, the guy I was talking to, and for him to say that to me, I was like, what? Uh, I was like, you don't automatically understand that like the concept was the thing? Okay, sure. sure. All right. It made me mad. That's why I brought it I'm up. I'm sorry that made you mad. All right. Let's move on to the next thing, which is City oh, is of the it, Living is it, Dead. Is there anything on this DVD? No. City of the Living Dead. Uh... All right. So this is Lucio Fulci's masterpiece. Can I explain something? No. Shut up. Let me finish this. Okay. Explain it later. Right. See, Living Dead is Lucia Fulci, who has done a lot of huge horror films, including, of course, his probably most celebrated film, Zombie 2, or just Zombie, which is... Zombie! Uh, ...was marketed in Italy as a sequel to Dawn of the Living Dead, which is why it was called Zombie 2. Um, he was involved in the making of Dawn of the Dead, as was Dario Argento and a lot of other people. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, how? How? Not producer type level oh okay yeah. they, they were just like argento argento was actually more involved i believe but um huh. anyway uh dawn of the dead undisputed masterpiece yeah from romero but uh city of the living dead it's not one of those it was also called the gates of hell it had to be retitled uh here in america when it came out so if you saw it when like you were a kid it if you're around my age you saw it as, as gates of hell oh, okay <laughs> but now it's been brought back to city of the living dead um, it has a few American actors in it. Christopher George, uh, who was uh, one of the leads in the show The Rat Patrol in the 1960s, but he's one of those guys you saw on a billion television shows. You're like, I know that guy. Is Where that the journalist? The from? Yeah, the uh, journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a adjacent Lovecraft movie, which is that's set in a town called Dunwich, like the Dunwich Horror. Mm-hmm. And it has a sort of like, okay, well, it has 
has a sort of nonsensical reason why things happen. It's a Lovecraft ideal to it, you know, in that, like, uh, a in here, even though it's not very well explained, a priest has, for reasons that are not clear, committed suicide. Uh And that's the thing that opens up the zombies titular gates to hell. Yeah. Which means that this town has a time limit until the end of the world starts. 48 hours. Yeah, which is like All Saints Day. When, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. When it's like, okay, if this isn't solved by midnight on All Saints Day, all sh- all, hell's gonna. Break if we away. don't solve this mystery, <laughs> so <laughs> like we have to turn over this rock and we'll figure it out. It involves, like I said, this journalist, and it involves like a a woman who's a a young psychic who is supposedly dead upon in the opening scene. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, then is like literally buried and is not dead and the, the journalist the, is the one who realizes here's her screaming yeah in her wakes grave back up after she's buried and, and he's like puncturing the yeah, the great, coffin great shots yeah they're, they're great and she's like ah! uh because yeah, she's the, the, missing her head by like an inch yeah and which were apparently just as dangerous as they looked i read about that too yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> um and they have to go to this town and solve this thing with the teleporting brain squishing zombies are appearing. I love that. They're te- they can teleport. They just like appear and well, uh, it's, wherever they want to be. It's not, it's not that it's, it's the, it's the priest that pops in every now and no, then, No, but the zombies themselves teleport. Oh, like, do they? Yeah. Yeah. No, they can pop out and pop in. And you know, stuff. I forgot because this movie is bullshit. I strongly disagree with you. I think this movie's amazing. Okay. Here's my hot take. Okay. Italian horror films, Italian horror films, except for like, I don't know. Yeah, all of them. Uh, what, even Suspiria? Have you not seen Suspiria? I have seen Suspiria. Well, you didn't like Suspiria? I don't think it's that great. Oh my God, right. Jesus well, hold on one Christ. second. Hold on. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to try to be as... as Wrong as possible. No, no, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to be as... Dip, you know, just gracious as possible. I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, snide or, you know, shitty about this. All I believe is that all Italian horror films are horseshit. I'm just going <laughs> to, I feel like I'm going to respond by taking off my pants and just shitting on your face. <laughs> just like an Italian horror film does on the, Italian the, horror the, films the viewers. Are fucking fantastic. They're terrible. They're all You're so, bad. You're so wrong. I'm, I am being very generalistic. You're so weird. They're, no, I, look, I have never read Stephen you King. Like horror films. I do. You, like, don't like the classic Italians. No, they, anyway, like so. Man, we're gonna write him off for the rest of this. Review. Okay, hold on one all second. Right. Well, oh, the next one is like what you don't want me to talk about. Okay, look. <laughs> uh, here, here's the thing. I, I think that they are oddly fun movies. Oh no, they don't. We make, wouldn't want that. Well, 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 hold on one second. They're oddly fun, but they don't make make a lick of sense. I've never seen films, uh, it, it, at least with horror specifically, and and it's it's like it's always Italian horror that they they disregard logic and even their own world building. It like I it's it's very weird how they it feels like they're making it up as they go along okay i don't disagree with you with all italian horror any more than i disagree with you all american horror i think that there are ones that do and ones that don't but i think that there's an abstractness 
to no, the sure. greats. It, it feels a lot that, more that, art housey. That makes them even scarier and more effective because oh, well, you don't, don't entirely understand everything that's happening. Sure, I, but I, mean, I think they, I, I think you understand as much as you need to. I don't think they're going against their own internal logic, and that's what's key. Well, but they're I, not. But I don't think there rules. is even logic in them. No, because no, no. Like they, they but they're just not, make it up. They're not creating rules and then breaking them. That's what's important. Sure. Okay. Also, I think they're highly not scary at all. I think they're just like gross. Again, don't agree with you. Uh, I, but I, think, I do agree they're gross. They're gross. They're uh, gross for sure. I, I think that, again, for me, it's like, oh, they're kind of fun. I don't think any of them are creepy at all. I mean, City of the Living Dead has got arguably the grossest scenes I've ever seen in any movie in history. Oh. And not just because of the quality of the effects being as high as they are. And you must agree, the effects are they're, of an incredibly high yeah, quality. Any of the like the head like g- grabbing shit, yeah, I was or, like, wow, like, that's pretty cool. a scene where like a girl vomits the, the, up every the famous in her scene. body yeah, yeah. or a scene where a guy gets drilled through the head. You're like, uh, these look so realistic that you're going, is this... Did someone die to make? Well, it's like, how do they do that? Yeah, it's it's the type of stuff that normally, I I mean, I, and I do like that stuff in the film. I was yeah. like, wow, that is like such like ingenuity of filmmaking of like how they put that together. And you told me about like the the drill scene where they used two different drills and they had to like sync it up at the perfect time to make it look like it was going through his head. It's like that's f- fucking fantastic. Which like, reference is the extra feature here where they interview the original uh, special effects artist. Uh, from this and Dario Argento films and yeah. a lot of other films who's like weirdly kept every prop. He has them all right, in right. his workshop. Like I've got every last prop of every movie and he's showing them I'm like, Oh my God, dude, that's like a fortune right there waiting to be sold on eBay. But, but sure. Uh, totally. Uh, but like explaining shit that like people for decades have gone like, I have no idea how they did that. And yeah. I'm explaining how he did it, which is alone enough of a reason to buy this. Like if you're a fan of these films going like, Oh, it's amazing. If, if yeah, if you're if you're a fan of the films, then definitely get it because it's it is jam packed full of shit and it looks incredible. Like yeah. the the 4K version of it. That the problem is is that for me specifically is that I think that they the, that him uh, uh, how do you uh, Fulci Lucio Fulci Lucio Fulci is one of the worst storytellers. I've ever encountered. I don't agree. I, no, that's that's okay. Like, yeah. I, it's it's totally fine. Yeah. I just think that all of his movies are may, are utter nonsense, and uh, I don't care about anything that's going on except Have you for seen the Beyond yet. Yes, and that one really hit you with the nonsense, right? <sighs> like just all See, the demons, a, I'm demon stuff, or is that right Bulva now. or Malva or whatever the fuck know. his name? What? It, what is uh, demons? Malva? Malva? Dolores! Mario Bava? Mario Bava, there you go. No, he was like earlier. Uh, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> eh, and, uh, I, if I, it's in color, it might be Bava, but probably not. Look, I, I've seen a lot of Italian horror films and I, I write it off as like, well, isn't that adorable that they thought they were trying to make something scary? And, uh, it is scary. It's not at all. It's, it, yeah, it is, well, I disagree. It is storytelling wise, it is highly embarrassing. I disagree and, strongly. But effects wise, and like how much effort they put into yeah. it is incredible. No, it's, it's one of those things where like Hollywood didn't catch up 
with what they were doing in Fulci films until like John Carpenter and Rob Botton and stuff with the thing where they were like, oh, we know how, we, we figured out how to do this to sure, this sure, yeah, practical yeah, where it looked that good. The yeah. effects are astonishing. They're, they're great. Yeah. Uh, I like this film in particular for him and maybe my favorite film by him, although it's between this and the beyond. Sorry. Uh, like, I don't like apologize it. to me. I like the sense of unreality that it gets. I love that you don't entirely know what's going on. I, 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 I mean, you get that from the characters because I'm assuming they were like, "What's happening?" I mean, no question. This is not great acting. Like, no, you know, like any none of, that of the stuff. movies are great acting. Like the, all the Italian horror films are just. I'm sorry. I know I'm or shitting westerns or what have you. But like, they're not but, always great actors. But like, you get your Franco Nero's and then whatever. right. Yeah. It, it, that, like, again, I watched this one with Eric, and we were like, "Holy shit, we've never seen this one all the way through." We've seen some of the 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 famous bits of it, of course, like the drill scene and the the girl vomiting her guts and crap like that. And we watched it. We're like. What? It, like we 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 because we've done a couple of Italian horror films on Trash the Can. It's like yeah, that's it, this is trash. This is bullshit. <laughs> I strongly disagree with you. I that's think okay. This is a masterpiece of Italian horror. I don't think anything of Italian horror is but really that much to, of a masterpiece. But you have to go into with the whole like I know what is going to be lacking by from Italian horror to a certain extent. Yeah, and go into it saying like this is. Also, the period it was happening, no one had ever made anything like this before. Sure. And that this is like kind of getting an atmosphere of surrealism that outside of maybe Carnival of Souls, nobody had even played with in horror. I, sure. I, I, I get that point. Uh, it's just that uh, with... And I'm not going to try to argue about the, you know, conventional storytelling or anything like that at all. Because, I mean, if this is supposed to be abstract, which it definitely is in a lot of ways, mm. is that there are definitely moments to where, like, okay, well, you are totally running and gunning it with the story-wise. It's not, there's no running and gunning. They were what, what is... The drill scene with that guy right there was done what? incredibly cautiously over multiple takes. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not talking about. I don't. I don't care about that part. I'm talking about that character. What is his character, and where does he go? And what was the character that gets drilled in the face? The what idea is, being is that the evil in the town was driving everyone insane. I don't know why that's hard to understand. Because it wasn't. I don't know getting why that, that was hard to understand. Well. I under 100% understand. It, was, it wasn't getting that across very well anyway, at all. Anyway, so this new release for people who love this film as, a way, as well they should, because it's a mm-hmm. masterpiece of Italian heart. Uh-huh. Uh, it's on 4K now. Uh, there are four audio commentaries. There's, there's a so lot well. of special features yeah. in this shit. And there's a shit ton of uh, uh, stuff. And the best thing is the meat-munching movies of G- Gino DeRossi, which goes into the the special effects guy who just goes deep into like how he did all this. My favorite being a scene that's not, I I, I think it's from Argento film where a girl gets stabbed to the back of the head and the knife comes out through her mouth. Oh, Tenebrae. No, I don't think it was Tenebrae. I think it was a different one, but uh, like he still has the fucking piece Uh and you're like, Oh, here's look. And he activates it and stuff. He's like, I can't put it in my mouth because it was literally formed to her mouth. Like Mm -hmm. we did dental stuff and everything. Cause it had to be just right where she could use her tongue to activate it. See, like and have the that stuff come out and it still has the fake blood on it. I'm like, Oh my God. That's so cool. I love that. Like the, again, the, the practical effects. I, I love that kind of stuff. And again, this is, 
you could say it's a masterpiece in that. It's just that it like it's a masterpiece. <clears throat> and it's filled with like literally like this hours of extra features on this. Yeah, it's never it's been jam-packed. featured on any other thing ever before. This is like even if you like aren't particularly a fan of this film in particular, like there's lots of stuff with people about talking about the John this point in time in Italian horror altogether. Yeah. Like this is amazing. Yeah, it's it's funny because like I I would actually recommend getting this mainly for all just how much special features there yeah. are on this film because again it like what what I do like about Italian horror which I do like it it's just like I don't like I want to I, I want to make it very clear it's like I don't think it's like good oh, <laughs> uh, but I think that the again the ingenuity and what they did to progress like practical effects. And um, and f- figuring out how to make things look in camera good is like it's it's astounding. It's it's incredible stuff. But like they they <laughs> they couldn't tell a story to save their fucking lives. Anyway, that's just me. We're gonna disagree on that. That's fine. That's fine. And we're done, right? I don't want to talk about anything else after this. Oh wait, we're gonna talk about Fast X for our final film. <sighs> you loved Fast X. I remember you seeing it in the theater with me, right? Uh-huh. And you were like, I'm sorry, that redefined action films for me. Like, how did I forget what an important part of film history Vin Diesel was? So and- bonus features are... Um- <laughs> hey, look, I am the guy on the review who defended this the most. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, Nathan I, was there. Well, I guess... No, I liked it more than Nathan. I think you did like it yeah. more than Nathan, yeah. yeah. I, I, I defended the, I stand for this film. I rewatched it. Stop saying Stan. Why? Because that okay. you're too old to say Stan. That's but weird. I don't, I get very confused about what I'm too old to do and not. I don't say Stan. I had to I'm ask 53. Eric. three. What should I be fading into like death at this well, point? Well, yeah. I mean, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I had to ask like what like, Stan. Okay. I'll, just, I'll watch your uh, fast exes. Cloud, damn you! Back uh, in my day, the city of living look, dead were. Uh, I'm I'm kind of confused by some of the anger towards this film, and I don't mean from you specifically because you're not a big fan of this John this film uh, series in general. Well, right? yeah, because they're all terrible. Okay, whatever. But like, like we, we got to get it. We got to get this straight. Like, from these people, are bad movies. But from people who are fans of it, as they should be, because oh. the Fast and Furious series is amazing. There oh. was some amount of like anger towards this film that I a hundred percent do not understand. Because do you? It's maybe the best villain of the entire series. And see, I think that's the point. Do yeah. you think? And here, okay, I'm actually be serious. I'm not going to yeah. try to be rude about this. So, do you think because Jason Momoa's character is ridiculous and lovely it and is, is is ridiculous and big and blah 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 but do you think it's because that he's playing it basically gay that people are kind of like why like it, like because i'm assuming the national audience that likes these movies are more just like course and uh that's an interesting question actually i i don't know i've never heard anybody specifically address it in that way uh, nor have I exp- explicitly heard anybody address it in the sense that, oh, he's playing it kind of gay and that's an anti-gay thing. Cause I don't think it's either one. Uh, he's not really gay. He's just, ki- he's kind of pansexual. Well, he's yeah. very 
flamboyant. Yeah. Uh, but like, I, I wouldn't say he's explicitly gay or like, it's, it's not never like really his said. Sexuality is not really involved outside of the costumes that he wears. And even then it's just seems to be there to cause like, to provoke reactions well that and well there are some times when he is by himself with like the two corpses when he's like doing like a tea party kind of thing and they're dead and uh he's he he is dressed up in particular ways where like it what i think that slightly the film you could argue it is slightly insensitive to where it's like it's like oh well he he would dress dead this people. <laughs> well, no, it's like he's he's ridiculous this way, so he's gonna have to dress up in like bunny ears and a, a I, I fluffy. Don't know. I, I think that's over 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 analyzing it yeah, for yeah. sure. But I mean, also, I, I don't care. I I, th- I I thought he was delightful as a he was man. the only fun thing a part of this about this movie because he's the best part about it. Yeah, because this movie is garbage. No, I liked it a lot. It's. So bad. It delivered everything I wanted from Fantastic. Uh, fantastic. fantastic uh, fast, uh, fast X. From a fast and Furious shit fuck. Uh, fast and the fast, Furious Yeah, movie. shit fuck movie, yeah. Uh, exactly what I wanted. It was like huge chases, big things uh, happening, big explosions. Big, big things. Crazy, <laughs> crazy, improbable like action sequences. Um, I had a great time with it. I'm kind of curious to know what is it with the, that people really like had problems with it. Cause I've met as many people who love it as much as I do as people who were like, is one of the weaker ones. And I'm like, really? Like, what didn't you like? I mean, I, I didn't like the fact that it was a cliffhanger. I don't like that in general. Sure. But I also felt that way about the last Spider-Verse film. I was and like, not uh, Impossible. Not, yeah, and not crazy about that. Like, stop that shit. Stop doing that shit. That's for TV shows. Don't do that with the movies. Well, because yeah. people saw it with Dune. You're like, I guess we can do that. Too. Yeah, but Dune, you had no choice. You well, want to tell a good version of Dune, you have no choice. Well, well, yeah. yeah, exactly. But, that, but, that I'm like, okay, sure. Well, but yeah. their argument is like, well, to tell a good Fast and the Furious movie, we're going to have to break this, break this up in a trilogy. No, it's deeply intellectual, of course. This series is baffling. To me, I love it. I, I love almost every. It, all right, not too fast and furious. That's terrible. But like, other than that, I, I love. I this don't. Series. I don't understand what's happening because I. I tried to explain this during the <laughs> the review of this, or, or tried to ask this question. Like, okay, wait, 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 hold on one second. Let's let's all be actually real here, like yeah. as like critics of film. Yeah. You you do you actually think that these are. Le- legitimately good movies to where they're telling good stories the acting is good I think you're a little confused about how you gauge different genres of film is what i think so because, because after this and the last review we just did i'm thinking you're a little confused about how we how you have to gauge things on their own merits based on their genre and how they do things okay okay well so here's here's what i think is interesting that i think that i know should, i'm being a dick right now no no you're not yeah. being a dick because i no, that's a good good point that i'm is, being a dick no no uh, no you're talking about genre so I, what I think needs to be said about the Fast and the Furious films is they're not action movies. They're action comedies. They're, if there is explained that say way. action fantasy. Well, sure. Uh, well, fine. But like. No, I mean, like it's Lord of the Rings, man. It's fucking like ridiculous. Stop, 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 stop it. Stop it. Don't do that. No, it's no, absurdist. It, 
It's absurd. It's absurd action. But the thing is, though, it because all I heard in Fast Nine and Fast X is that people were laughing like crazy. Yeah, and so it's like it leads me to believe one of two things or both that people are either in the in on the joke that this is absurdist comedy and that that the movies are bad or this is intentionally funny and then people know that it's a comedy slash action well, but into a absurdist like ridiculous like no action packed thing question that this is put out in a place where they know that this is not supposed to be taken seriously and you're having fun with it okay yeah. So that's no question. that needs to be the 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 pretext to these films. It is the pretext. It's to these films. not because everyone people, understands because this. people are not explaining it that way. People are telling like, oh, no, this is one of the greatest action films ever made. I'm like, okay, no, that's nobody the f- is saying that. No, the, oh, plenty of people are saying that. I don't that. know anybody who's saying that. Nathan's saying that. Uh, oh, wait, if you're looking at Nathan, you're having a real problem. But but yeah. see, here's the thing: it's like if if these are explained as a great action comedy and it needs to say that comedy wise yeah then this is actually a lot more palatable at least to me it's totally absurd it's supposed to be totally absurd you're supposed to appreciate on this level that yes of course this is fucking absurd but you watch the way they pull off the quality of the action, oh, sure, scenes. sure, and, and the action However is really probable. They are fun and all this stuff, and you're like, this is super fun, and the the way they go, like this is, we're gonna push it even further than we did the last time into ridiculousness. The fans of the series understand that that's what they want, but it's a fine line. It's, it's how do you a, how do a, you get there to that point where like. It's not too far to the point where you're just like, okay, you're making a cartoon. Yeah. But it like it's enough. Well, we know none of this. We know none of this is even faintly plausible. It hasn't been since the first one. And here's why I think the movies fail. Okay. Because I think that the actors think maybe maybe it's just Vin Diesel. Maybe everyone else is like in on the joke no, kind of he, thing. He's in on the joke. Uh, I guarantee you. Sure. I think that they are taking this actually too seriously to where they think they're actually ma- trying to make legitimate art in I some way. I don't actually know what movie you watched. If I, you feel that way. I, I don't know. Because well, these movies are, are... I think you're going into this all wrong. Well, but but also, I'm not having fun watching these movies. No, no, and there's nothing wrong with you as a person no, no. feeling that way. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I don't mean that to be insulting or misleading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, you going, like, this is not my thing is fine. Well, Uh, but not only is it not my my thing, I, like, I don't, I, well, yeah, it's just, it's just not my thing. I, I don't get the appeal of these at all. Yeah. And, uh, and I, cause I don't think that the, uh, Quite frankly, again, like the acting is that great. The uh, the the characters are just like blah. Like who cares about any of them? And uh, now the action, though, again, like I, I saw Fast Nine and and this, and the action is so ridiculous to where it's um, I mean, it argues why uh, film is being destroyed. <laughs> But also at the same time, why it's having a resurgence in like dumb action movies. Look, this is the definition of guilty pleasure. Total. But I, I get, I get the guilty. But I, I think I, I get get guilty no, pleasure. No, no, I know. 
but you get in a way where your point whole point is to laugh at it. This point here is to go like, we all know this is this, but it's as done as good as guilty pleasure can be done. It's going, we're full on, like we're all there. We know this is stupid, but we're doing it the best quality of everything. And like you root for it because in these characters, (laughs) because you have, bought in you're just like you buy in and you go like i believe this fantasy bullshit universe i love the fan what makes it work is the family thing like the whole like these people love Uh each other despite the fact that two seconds ago they were enemies it's a ridiculous series of concepts that somehow work for certain people and then right. I'm one of those people where you're just like, I believe it. Like I'm just, every time there's a villain, I'm like, I can't wait till they're one of their friends. <laughs> and why? It feels like no one like, dies. This one is like, like, although not full on one of their friends, but Charlie's there on, who was like the ultimate villain is now like, okay, on their well, side, now we're slightly. on their side. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm waiting for Jason Momoa to be his own enemy. Like, it's just like this, this, series he has a twin brother oh, i don't my. care but that's what i love about it. the series is that it doesn't have any fucks to give it can do whatever the fuck it wants and it and we celebrate it, it the crazier bullshit they bring into it the more we're like yes please bring me more look the fans. i i think in in a very perverse way the the series and and even this film in a way it's admirable that it is subversing the idea of what a big blockbuster movie is supposed to be where uh hopefully it's actually a good movie i mean like like legitimately like well a jurassic park no, kind i see of what good, you're saying We're like, yeah this is a film that d- like subverts it by the idea of like we are not trying to be a good movie yeah we're we are trying to be a very realistically produced film with all the action scenes look amazing yeah and that it keeps you going with that stuff but like in no way are we trying to be like like oh, this could happen. Well, no, yeah, and I know it's not realistic, but here's what I think that is is they could argue, which it's funny to me that um you know Scorsese and other directors or we people love this film. well, but they 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 argue against the the Marvel movies. I think uh, and Louis Mal and um. Uh, John Luke Goddard, but champion this as maybe the best film ever made. I'm assuming that their corpses did, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like I, I, when they talk about the big like Marvel movies being like popcorn movies, I'm like, well, hold on one second, like what, like you're, you, you I guess you the, for for them specifically, I don't think you understand what like what, what the audience actually wants, but yeah. but what I think could be dangerous about some movies like this oh, is boy. that it is dangerous okay. well but it's uh it's portraying well, we're getting to this well but i don't here's why culture could be ruined by fast and the furious movies well by, i don't know are you working for vox now no what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this is why i think martin short's not the greatest comedian of all time uh uh <laughs> this fucking idiots that think martin short is not funny at all i'm sorry that fucking assholes like shot whipped yeah, yeah it's yeah. the fuck it's so stupid I um I don't know if the mass or the general audience is in on the joke. I mean, they appear to be based on box office receipts. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, of course it does. This is the what um 
10th film slash 11th film, really, because I, we had a spinoff, which is really just another Fast and the Furious film. I, well, yeah, uh, but, I, but I don't I don't think that people are in on the idea that it's like, oh, this is... The sheer amount of critics who seem to review these things in the concept of, I get what you're doing, and I'm gauging it based on your own, what you presented us yeah. with. Like, we know what we're in for. Is this a better version of this or a worse version of this? Sure. I think they are in on this and I think audiences are in on in on this as well. They keep responding to it. They keep showing up for it. Critics keep generally speaking being like, look, either it's a better one or it's a worse one. But yeah. And regardless, it's a fast and the furious film and you know what you're here. For. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's the critics are oddly praising as like, as it's like not oddly. Well, but what's so funny to me is that uh, it's like, wow, if that talent, and this is what kind of infuriates me, maybe about these films, is like if this talent could be attributed to something else that is like genuinely of like a better idea and story. What, and I, I was talking about somebody the other day when uh, Fast Two, uh, Too Fast Too Furious, which is the worst entry in the is it the fourth one, uh, the second one. Oh, it's the second yeah. one. Okay. Uh, after uh, Vin Diesel was like, oh, I'm not going to do another one. Obviously, he came back, but um, he did. Yeah, it's Paul Walker and uh, uh, Tyrese Gibson, uh-huh. and they introduced introduced Tyrese Gibson as like a total fucking badass, and then the series turned him into like the loser, the, the idiot, <laughs> the of idiot the whole of thing. the series. We're just like this series is just so weird that you're like you never know where you're going to end up in here. You know, no, I except for Michelle Rodriguez, who's always like unassailable. They're always like Michelle Rodriguez is always awesome. Don't worry about her. <laughs> I, I, I ha- again, I have to give it to the the whole series is that they've kept up the story. They are all in it to win it, and for some ungodly and unholy reason, everyone for some reason in Hollywood wants to be in these stupid goddamn movies. It's, a, it's and, a, well because the paychecks are huge. I'm yeah. assuming so. I yeah. mean they have to be it's like a, it's a weirdly huge soap opera storyline that never stops. They don't have any give fucks to give about real like realism or, like, or oh like they literally brought back in this last one uh, uh Wonder Woman. Gal Gal, Gal yeah. Gadot yeah. clearly died and yet they're just like in a Po- almost post she's in a goddamn scene. submarine yeah you're like why is she back don't worry about it she's just back because why not at this point and the rock's back everybody comes back yeah they're just well the rock never died he was just like, i know yeah yeah, yeah he but, only, but he's back and everyone's like ah! well they were they because we didn't think we'd see him again because he was in a fight with vin diesel in real life and yeah. it's it's so funny it's like the, the whole this this is this is maybe one of the most baffling franchises to me. It so much. It, it drives me goddamn crazy. Nothing makes me more excited than a new Fast and the Furious film to see and in the theater. I'm it, like, what bullshit are they going to pull this time I, that I will just cheer sure, and go, sure. yay and bullshit! I, I've signed up for the last two, and I'm going to sign up for the rest of them, because I need to see these things now, and I'm not going to watch any of the other ones, because I've not seen any other Fast and the Furious movies except for 9 and 10. 4, 5, and 7 are great. Good. I don't care. Are genuinely Uh, great standalone. You could watch them by himself. Like, wow, these are great movies. All right. Yeah. No, I know. I know. You're not going to. That's a sign of a dedicated film critic right there. (laughs) (laughs) Did Stephen King write them? Because then I can finally catch up. All right. Well, I'm going to just tell you about the extra features here, and then we're going to wrap this up because it's already been long. Uh, There's a gag reel, which was pretty funny. Uh, A bunch of extra, like, features what is it what is the gag reel like are you fucking believe we keep fucking doing this this is fucking stupid as hell there's a lot of extra features here (laughs) 
that go into uh, various aspects of it, but I enjoyed Bell- Bells of the Brawl, which gets into the female fight scenes, which are actually pretty well oh, done. Oh, Charlie Theron and Michelle Charlie Rodriguez. And Michelle Rodriguez have a good. hardcore... See, it's a good film. I'll let that hang there for a minute. It was a good film. Um, anyway, a lot going on here. I, I kind of salute this film as I think it was really good and underrated. I think people were annoyed, as I was, with both this Spider Verse and um, uh, Dune, Mission Impossible. Oh, Mission Not Impossible! Not Dune. I wasn't annoyed by that. I was well, uh, uh, we knew about that way ahead of time. Because well, no, we, we 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 didn't know necessarily until the very beginning. Is this part one? And you're like, ah, uh, Dune. They had advertised that pretty clearly. No, they didn't. No, they did. I never read the book. Yeah, well, you should. You should read more. It's a book. Reading is important. I, I, there's only one book, right? In the I'm, series? I swear to God, I'm going to get Jordy LaForge on the show. And <laughs> Reading Rainbow. I know, I said Jordy LaForge. Oh you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I mean. I know who you mean. What's his name? The Jordy LaForge. Reading, Reading Rainbow guy. <laughs> wait, oh, wait, what is his name? LeVar Burton. LeVar, LeVar Burton. Burton. Yeah. LeVar Burton. There you go. <laughs> Reading Rainbow. Good day, good day. <laughs> oh my God! He's very proud of that role, and he should be. He, he should great be. Job. Yeah. 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 It's a Stephen King story. Oh my God! All right, we're gonna wrap this up, and we're gonna pick the uh, pick of the week. Yeah. What is that? Gloria. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, Even totally. Even though there's no extra features, it's one of those like. Wow, if you've never seen this, you should really see this. It's yeah. so good. Well, I mean, comparing it to all the other films on this list. <laughs> like, uh, if it wouldn't be the fact that you were so wrong about so many things, I'd pick City of the Living Dead 100% because the oh. bonus features are astonishing on Yeah, this. I mean, if, physical media-wise, okay, maybe City of the Living Dead. I mean, comparatively to all the rest of the shit. It's packed with extra stuff. Yeah. It's amazing and really gives you a good picture of what Italian horror cinema was about. And it's no question for me go like, I think it's a great movie and I think it's a great uh, series of extra features, but I'm going to give it to you for this one because I know how you were very not pleased with that because Gloria is genuinely a film we agree on as being, wow, how have I never seen this before? This is so good. And more people should see this film. And And I'm going to go like prick of the week because you guys should seek this film out. Totally. And like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, it kind of opens your eyes to other films yeah. It's like, you know, when you listen to a band that it's like, maybe let's say it's newer and then you realize like where they're coming from, their inspirations, you're like, oh shit. And then you, you actually witness like, oh, the first time you ever listened to like Rolling Stones, like, wait, what have else they done? And then like what they spawned. And it's like, with Gloria, you can kind of see it's like, wow, there's so many other things that this like inspired or remade well, and like watch it and, and like get into the whole like what was it what was it inspired by and what was uh, inspired by it and it's one of the i think it's one of the primary examples of this whole like you know lone wolf and cub story version. right yeah you know? right yeah and uh and now it, it's for me personally it uh it's really opened my eyes like okay I need to take the plunge in John Cassavetti uh, because I've, I've never seen any of his films before. And I'm like, okay, if this is at least like the uh, middling as critics would say of his films, then it can only go up from here. And I'm like, okay, let's rock and roll. I agree. Uh, As well. um, 
I would like, I don't think I said it earlier, but apparently Kino Lorber signed a uh, John Frankenheimer contract because they just keep putting out all of his smaller Ronin films. and I have one that's being sent to me with, uh, 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 oh my God, what's his name? I always want to say it's like, uh, the guy from, um, uh, Kung Fu, but not that guy. The guy who looks like him, uh, Glenn, Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always mix up with him. I'm like, oh, it's him. And no, it's Scott Glenn. It looks <laughs> like him. But that's like basically playing that type of role. It's like a martial arts action, action film that Frankenheimer directed that I was like, wait, we called The Champion or something like that. And I was like, oh, uh, oh, that that is okay. Real I, quick. I kind of want to see that but just because the Frankenheimer, not I haven't seen yet, but the reviews were not great. But I'm like, here's I'm the, make up here's the thing, too. I, I, like, I was looking at the rest of John Frankenheimer's uh, filmography and like, wow, he's like, oh, I said earlier with like Friedkin. Granted, that was a little bit harsh, but you know, fuck him because he would say fuck you. Um, he was but, a bit of a dick. But yeah. But Frankenheimer. Him. He's he has only made like three or four good movies. I don't know about that. Look at his filmography. It is kind of scarce. All right, I'm gonna look at his film filmography right now. We're gonna finish up this episode by looking at a filmography Prove me wrong. of John Frankenheimer just to like piss off right. Uh yeah, do it. Uh because what what has he done? He's a um Manchurian candidate, uh which is fantastic. Which is fantastic. Um, seconds, great, great. Uh, Ronin, which is great, uh, amazing. Um, uh, okay, Doctor Island and Row, French Connection too, which both which agreed, is which good, is pretty good, which is good. Yeah, it's, Black Sunday, pretty well, good, pretty good. Uh, the Island of Doctor Moreau in nineteen ninety six, not 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 good. great at all. Not good. It's really bad. All. Yeah, it's really bad. It's really yeah, bad. Yeah. yeah, although it's bad in the best possible way. Like a like a Fast and the Furious kind of no, way. No, no, it's bad in the, like it's, a City of the Living Dead kind of way. Deeply entertaining film. Even though I'm not even sure he strictly speaking directed it. Well, he also walked off the set, and he yeah. hate he so it's hated not technically it. his film. Well, he just he that whole movie. The, the documentary about the movie is way more fascinating than the fucking movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, are you looking at his shit? No, I'm scrolling down. Yeah, it, it is. It stop is scrolling. It is. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff, but also it's like, yeesh. Right. Uh, Birdman of Alcatraz. Very good film. I have seen. That okay. One. Yeah. Uh, Seven Days in May. Very, very good film. Um, I've not seen The Train, but I've heard it's very good. He replaced Arthur Penn on that film. Grand Prix. Got a lot of awards when it came out, but I was not a big fan of it. So I'll say I thought it was kind of boring. <laughs> He did a shit ton of films I've never seen in between those two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, The Holcroft Covenant is one I keep wanting to watch. I've never never seen. Never heard of it. Uh, it was based on a Robert Ludlum novel, who was one of the biggest oh. spy mystery novelists yeah. of like the 60s and 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I've heard yeah. of him. I've never seen it. I always wanted to. Um, maybe Kino Lorber well, will put see, it out. We'll here, the here's the thing. is like he, you, you think of John Frankenheimer like, oh, yeah, he's great. And then you realize, like, you start thinking about some of the movies, and then he's done a shit ton of movies, yeah. but there's only, like, five or six there's a f- you're right, that you can you're name. Right. They're like, oh. And he did Reindeer Games, which was not good. Ben Affleck? I know that? that movie. Not a good movie. Uh, uh, Charlize Theron, though. Well, nice. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Boy, she came out of, like, being just a, who is that person, to, like... Superstar. One of the greatest actresses of all time. Yeah. I mean, which is God, crazy. Thank God for Mad Max Fury Road, which really made oh, th- your average person go like, oh God, she's 
like obviously a A. Well, I mean, she guy. she was already like an A lister way before no, that. No, but that's the but, one. Uh, but it was like also monster that like uh, like oh she is no. legitimately. But I would say Fury Road's the one that made her a movie star. Uh, mm. where you go like she's a Tom Cruise level movie star. Where you can be in anything and you're like, oh, elevated. Oh, again. sure. I, I see what you mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I guess you could argue that. Yeah. As opposed to us, where we have not had that podcast moment yet. But um, sooner or later, someone will discover the, one of these podcasts. Look, the first time I ever did Digital Noise, people were like, like, oh, shit, you're doing that now? Oh, man, this show is finally good. Ruined. Ruined. I thought the show was good before Wright joined it. Oh, that's, that's all right. That's unfortunate. It's even better now. Thank you. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. It's hot. Sit living dead is terrible. We're gonna have blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs>